Three, two, one. Monkey bars. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Second Letter Podcast. My name is Alex. My name is Jesse. Okay, I think. And, and, uh, Butter. And this is our best of 2021, 2020, 2021. In March 2022. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you're wondering, why so late? Are they really going to do this? Yes. Uh, we just decided to do it. One, to catch up on some things that we haven't we missed, and then two, uh, the Academy Awards are happening right now, or about to happen, um, so um, we just thought that this would be a good time to do it. Um, also, fuck the Academy Awards. Yeah, it's, it's this is spooky crazy. The, 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 thick, the thick and butter Academy Awards is what's going on right now. Yeah, That's what yeah. really matters. Yeah, this is a real shit for sure. <laughs> <laughs> The real shit. Don't watch that dumb broadcast. Honestly, it's just I am gonna watch it because it's probably gonna be a train wreck, and I'm gonna it's gonna be funny to watch. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, very excited. Very excited to list off these movies. Yeah, it took Um, a while to to sort of accumulate them because for me, it just took a while to just see a lot of movies from 2021, both just because I wasn't going to the theater a lot. And um, there wasn't a bunch of them, you know. They still they were still kind of dry on the movie run, like for yeah. In that, that I pandemic. mean, I think like I mean, I think that I have a long list of things. Like I definitely saw. There's definitely more films this year, for sure. Yeah, um, that came out. And like things are like I think what you need is like especially in the beginning of twenty one, like twenty twenty one, like. It wasn't until, like, the summer when things, like, kind of pick up again and things were coming out. But, like, in the first, like, half of 2021, nothing came out. I mean, yeah, yeah. Like, right, A Quiet Place right. 2 was, like, the big movie that kind of brought people back to the theater. Um, and that was in, like, what, June? Or yeah, like it was May. halfway through the year already. Yeah, yeah it was crazy. So, like, so yeah, we, but 2022 already shaking up to be... Much different year. Uh, it's only been too long since there have been some really notable, worth talking about movies that have already come out. Uh, yeah. Notably yeah. The Batman, you know, Scream, and we have uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once, uh, the new A24 Horror Movie X. I mean, there's tons of shit, cool shit coming out in theaters now. So it seems like that we're back, baby. It yeah. seems like yeah. we're, that we're back. So that's really exciting. And, um, and that and that being said, I st- I was looking back on 2021 like my list and stuff, and I was getting really excited because I had forgotten how many good movies I seen a lot of in good 2021. Movies. Yeah, there's there a, a lot, lot of good movies. ones. Yeah, I totally agree. And so I'm excited to talk about these fucking good movies. Um, Let's get so right into what it. do you want to do? Do you want to? Because uh, we both have top cubs. I yes. have a long list of honorable mentions. Um, 
I think Four, we should just um, kind of start shooting those off. I okay. have I have um Yeah, you wanna a list your list. honorable mentions? Yeah, list, yeah. list your honorable mentions and then it makes your top ten. Um I I'm not I'm curious to see if any of these would actually be on your top ten. Uh mm-hmm. I'm I'm mentioning Spider Man, which I'm expecting we're probably gonna talk about again. Uh yeah. Pig Pig, Nicholas Cage's Pig, which is a really interesting, weird movie. Um T right. Tane was another one we talked wow. about on this oh. podcast. Yeah. Crazy one. Uh uh uh, Power of the Dog, another film mm-hmm. that's probably going to be in the Oscars. This this March yes. coming up soon, I definitely so. going to be in the Oscars. Yeah. Well, it is yeah. in the Oscars. It might win yeah. some Oscars, is what I mean. I hope so. Uh, and then that's two what others, I'm for. two others that aren't t- uh, that are TV shows, not movies, that I think are uh, okay. filmic enough to mention, which is Squid yeah. Game, which everyone oh, yeah, knows Squid true. Game. Squid true, Game's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and true. the other one that I personally absolutely adored was Midnight Mass. I thought that so oh, yeah. was fantastic. Near the end, yeah. the writing got a, lot of a people little. Loved that. Uh, yeah, I thought I thought it was really good. Yeah. Like the first the first half of that, I think, is some like perfect writing. It's such a it's such an it's an improvement on Haunting of Hill House. I thought, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I, I think everyone was really should... fun. Yeah, Hill I thought House. that. I thought yeah. that show was great, and I just think that he just took what worked in that and just made it better. It was more yeah. unique. I thought it was super duper that's awesome. awesome. Well, that's interesting. Um, there's definitely, well, I'm trying to talk about now because there's definitely a handful of those that I'm going to mention. But, okay, I have, I have a long list of honorable mentions. I'm not going to talk in depth about all of these. Uh, maybe I'll just rattle them off if you have any questions. Yeah, I'll stop you. <laughs> just stop me. Okay. <laughs> A couple of them I will explain. <laughs> Number 31, um, I put Zack Snyder's Justice League just because oh. I did genuinely enjoy this movie and I do think that it, it might be my favorite Zack Snyder thing that he's ever done uh, that I've ever seen. I That's a good I'm, inclusion. I think I've seen most Zack Snyder things. This is my favorite thing that he's ever done. It's not great, it's not perfect, but it was significant in the year. Wait, you think, cool you think that's... Watch. Do you like that more than Watchmen? I have to think about that. I don't okay. love Watchmen. Uh, I, I think really Watchmen like that is, movie. I genuinely love uh, that yeah, movie. I'm, I'm glad. <laughs> but, no, <laughs> it's not. The graphic novel's <laughs> like significantly better. Uh, oh, I don't want to go on a Zack Snyder rant for me, but I think <laughs> Zack Snyder is possibly the wor- like one of the worst filmmakers uh, around. He's I just disagree. so emo- emotionally <laughs> inept. Like Watchmen is a very cool looking movie, but it has not it has none of the emotional core and nothing that made the graphic novel interesting in my opinion it's uh-huh. basically just going word for word page for page not making anything interesting out of it um still cool to watch it's a beautiful looking movie um but i think i would probably i like watching it it's probably on par with, with that in my opinion um okay, cool better than sucker punch uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's probably the worst movie ever created okay and then don't look up which is like i'm one of the weird mm-hmm. people that kind of enjoyed that movie yes it does have a lot of issues uh and the political shit in it was pretty hand-fisted um but i found it to be enjoyable i'm not one of these people that gets if a movie's political i don't get 
And it's always like a bit of political news comes out. People just automatically hate it. Um, I'm not really one of those people. Uh, I, there are parts of it that I thought were funny and enjoyable. Uh, but it's like 30. <laughs> so, uh, okay, the Godzilla versus Kong. Extremely fun. Blockbuster. Uh, humans still are complete trash. Improvement. On the last movie, definitely, but still majorly trash. Um, <laughs> the monsters were awesome. Um, really fun film. Uh, one of the weirdest movies of uh, 2021, Matrix Resurrections. This is a movie that I have never in my life seen a movie that I have been so conflicted about. There's parts of it that I think are legit brilliant. And there's parts of it that I think are so laughably horrible that I don't... And that's kind of how I feel about a lot of Wachowski stuff. Um, like Jupiter Ascending, for example. Um, <laughs> that's a wild and, film. <laughs> yeah, it's so bad, but it's so creative. And it's like like so visually stimulating that you're kind of like sucked into it, but it's so bad. Like the movie's so yeah. terrible. Like that's kind of a weird conundrum with them. Um, but if you haven't seen Matrix Resurrections and you, like, are a Matrix fan, I highly suggest watch it because it is a very interesting movie. And I included it because it is interesting. It takes bold, bold risks, which I really, really appreciated. It just... I don't know. <laughs> Some people love it, but it was not yeah. really for me. And it's on uh, HBO Max, right? It's on HBO Max, yeah. Yeah, so um, grab a grab a beer and a some popcorn and just turn yeah. it on on HBO Max if you have it. Check yeah. it out. It's, it's, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna and then uh, number twenty nine. Okay, these are now we're in the that I kind of that I actually genuinely enjoyed. The Mitchell <laughs> versus the Machines. It's a very fun Netflix animated film. Uh, no Time to Die, uh, which is a really cool. Bob movie is cool to see Daniel Craig's but that's final Bob movie. Damn. Yeah. Uh, above that, F9. Fast and Furious <laughs> 9. Goddamn. <laughs> so good. So fun. <laughs> so stupid. Uh, there are some people that complain that this movie jumped the shark, and that's why they didn't like it. To those people, I say, what are you watching these movies for? I want this <laughs> franchise to jump 20 sharks and go in the fucking space. That's what I'm watching uh, these movies for. Uh, uh, amazing film. I uh, cannot <laughs> wait for Fast and Furious 10. Um, Bad Trip. Super funny uh, Netflix comedy Eric Andre prank movie that actually oh, innovated yeah. on the prank movie in a really cool creative way. Very surprising way. Uh, super fun. That's on Netflix. Uh, Tick Tick Boom, uh, which is a really uh, cool, that's a good Oscar contender. Andrew Garfield's up for Oscar for that film. Uh, I would love it if he won. He's amazing in the movie. Um, the the film is a really interesting musical. Um, it, I think the reason it's not higher is just because the, the music didn't really grab me as much as I think it uh, should have for me to really enjoy it, but it is a really interesting film. Yeah. Um, and I think if you like musicals, totally, absolutely watch it. Netflix movie, uh, over 22, Val, <laughs> uh, which is a, a A24 documentary about Val Kilmer. That, that was really surprisingly very, very emotional, very cool. Uh, Val Kilmer, it's uh, compilated from all these cool footage of Val Kilmer 
uh, that he shot in the course of his career on sets and stuff like that. And uh, it's a really interesting film. Val Kilmer is a really interesting guy. He's going through a lot right now, and so it was a really, really interesting portrait of a legend, you know, a legendary actor. Um, Sean Sheen, Legend of the Ten Rings, absolutely awesome. Uh, Marvel movie that came out this year, incredibly fun. Uh, yeah, one of the I first, first one, that, another I, big movie that brought people back into the theaters, being the yes. first Marvel movie in a minute. Yes, yes. Uh, I had so much fun with that movie. Uh, Nobody. Uh, that's a incredible action movie starring Bob Odenkirk, that I honestly think is extremely underrated. It's super fun. Uh, Christopher Lloyd and Riza. You want to see a movie where Bob Odenkirk, Christopher Lloyd, and Riza <laughs> find a bunch of people in a warehouse? Watch that movie. Uh, awesome. It's such a fun movie. Um, Last Night in Soho, which is uh, number. 19? Yeah, I know, no. Uh, I really enjoyed this movie a lot. Uh, the ending just left me kind of cold. Uh, I think the twist was just not as, um, I don't know, just left me, rubbed me a little bit the wrong way just because the story that, yeah. was so, so unpredictable throughout. And the ending just disappointed me, but it is a very, really good ending right movie that I think any, everybody should see because there are some ridiculously incredible sequences in it that I, I haven't stopped thinking about since I saw it. Um, number 18, Spencer. Really great uh, drama uh, about Princess Diana. That's, this is on Hulu for people who don't know. And that's uh, with Kristen uh, Stewart. Christian Stewart. Yeah. Yes, who plays Princess Diana. I really hope she wins an Academy Award for this. She's absolutely amazing in it. Incredible cinematography. Being a royal sex, uh, Johnny Greenwood's a god. Watch that movie. It's awesome. <laughs> uh, number 17, Possessor. Incredibly awesome horror movie. Wait, th- wait, that's a 2021 film? Yeah, that's, I think it's technically a 2020 movie, but it came out on digital, and like most people saw it in 2021. Because okay, uh, it yeah. came out like February or something on Hulu. Such an awesome movie. Um, over time, I think it's kind of less a little... The more Cronenberg, David Cronenberg things I see, the more David Cronenberg influence I see in that movie. So it's like... It's yeah. a little like... It's definitely a cheat code of being David Cronenberg's son. Uh, yeah. Definitely a cheat code. But, I mean, I'm not complaining. It's a super fun, super fun movie, and I really want to watch it again. I don't know why I haven't. Um, number 16, Spider-Man No Way Home. Incredible. Just Marvel below movie. 15 slot. Yeah. So close. One of my favorite uh, Marvel movies in quite some time for various re- for obvious reasons. It's <laughs> incredible. Uh, really well written, surprisingly. Uh, yes. Does it look like a Marvel movie? Is it shot like a bland-ass blockbuster? Yeah. But it's uh, super fun and it's Spider-Man. So, it's uh, fucking Spider-Man. 15, Quiet Place 2. Incredible thriller. God damn, it's so good. Uh, so tight. Uh, I'm so surprised that this, like, isn't, like, more people aren't talking about Quiet Place Part 2. It is so good. And uh, it's just back to, like, old school filmmaking. Like, movies like this do not come out anymore. Uh, just these big budget, simple thrillers. They just don't come out. 
and uh and it is awesome that we have this franchise that i can rely on for good thriller a true good horror thriller so uh i i can't wait for part three if he is making a part three i got here here um or 14, come on, come on. A really great A24, uh, White Mills film. Sorry, Joaquin Phoenix and a cute kid that I can't remember his name. <laughs> but he's uh, cute. This is just a really quiet, uh, poignant look at journalism and, um, and a relationship between an uncle and a nephew. Absolutely beautiful. One of the most uh, awesome Joaquin Phoenix performances. He's so sweet and good-hearted and it's really cool to see Joaquin Phoenix play a character like that he hasn't done that since her uh he plays pretty crazy fucking people uh so it's pretty <laughs> cool to see him literally just be a sweet uncle in this movie uh and it's very great uh number 13 Dune awesome movie what Dune. wait 13 so yeah 13 what other 13. movies are there? I'm so curious. Uh, I'll tell you. Just wait. <laughs> 13. Incredible. I love Dune. I think it's nearly perfect. The only, I think the only reason it's not higher is that it doesn't end. Uh, so it is not the most satisfying movie experience I've ever had. Like, when it ends, you're, you're, you're blue ball. I mean, you got some big blue balls at the end of that movie, you know? <laughs> uh, which I understand, you know? But I think I'm going to really appreciate that film when we have the full trilogy or the full scope of what the what Gideon Alameda is trying to do. But this first part is absolutely masterful. Masterful. Yeah. It's incredible. But it is, um, it's like it's like Fellowship Without Two Towers or The, the exactly. Return of the King. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. So it's like, it's so that's probably why it didn't, it's not as like satisfying an experience to me. Um, number 12, West Side Story, Steven Spielberg. I don't know who this guy is. I think this is his first film, Steven yeah. Spielberg. Uh, Small name. He knows Small guy. how to direct a movie. Yeah. Uh, he's really good <laughs> at directing movies. Uh, this is easily one of the best directed movies of 2021. It is just the first shot alone is absolutely stunning uh this is one of the best remakes i've ever seen in my fucking life and i don't i remember watching the original when i was young didn't really care about it you know i was just like whatever i didn't i didn't get anything out of it this one uh just completely blew me away i thought spielberg what he did with this was absolutely incredible um and uh God damn, it looks so good. I don't know if it's dominated for that cinematography, but uh, I hope it wins because it is stunningly beautiful film. Uh, number 11, Flea, which is this amazing animated, oh, animated film. Uh, yeah. documentary on Hulu that I found to be incredibly powerful. Not just because of the documentary subject, um, which... I don't want to spoil it for people. Um, it, it definitely, I would say watch this movie not knowing anything. I think you'll get more out of it. Um, not only is it unique in like the documentary subject of what it's about, but the way that it's told. I've never seen a documentary like this. It's animated. It's an animated documentary, meaning like even the quote unquote like reality, a lot of it you see the story that he's telling in animation form and then some of it is 
supposed to be like reality, like him getting interviewed and stuff. And that's also animated. So wow. there's this really, it's a really interesting uh, documentary that I've never seen anything like it. And it's super powerful. Then you try. Uh, it's, it's great. It's amazing. If you're in the queer cinema, please for the love of God, watch Flea. It's, it's absolutely it's amazing. Um, I'm motivated. So I'm going to watch it. Those are all my lists. And then, that I have a talk club. That was a hell of an honorable mention list. I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> I, I forgot about most of those. I'm glad you mentioned all of them. All right. Uh, so should we start with maybe I'll do my ten? Yeah, let's start with number go, ten, baby. Number ten. So my number ten. Um, my my list is definitely influenced by the by the not seeing a large volume of films, and it's also mm-hmm. definitely based on just my personal reaction. So like films like yeah. Power of the Dog or Pig are definitely good, or Titan are all good mm-hmm. enough to be top ten material, but just like personal preference. Oh, yeah. that's the bias that we're talking about from here. Yeah, exactly. my first my number ten is a film called Crypto Zoo. Who's oh uh, yeah, by, I know what that is. yeah. It's by a director named Dash Shaw, and it's this very, very weird um animated film. He made another film called My Entire High School Sinking into the Sea, which uh which is on mm-hmm. Netflix or was on Netflix, which I love that film to death. And this was his second film he made. He he made both made both of these films with him and his wife. His wife was the animator and he was the director. Um Crypto Zoo was really cool and really wild, and if you have the chance to see it, which it's on Hulu, you should, because I doubt you'll see a lot of stuff like it. The story yeah. was not um, as strong as entire high school sinking into the sea, and the characters were kind of wooden and somewhat mm-hmm. unlikable at times, and it was a lot of times just what driven is it by... About? So it's a story about... This this the main character works at the zoo, which collects cryptids essentially, and she works mm-hmm. for this rich billionaire fanatic who is obsessed with preserving and bringing the cryptids into the human world, and you know intermingling the two. Yeah. And so she built this theme park where these cryptids could have a job and a home to live in. And the story is sort of about like the. Um, like the, the hate that goes against cryptids, the discrimination against cryptids, <laughs> yeah, and then the funny. complication yeah. about like cryptids being like, well, you're trying to help us, but you're also putting us on like consumer capitalist display yeah, in this yeah, amusement yeah. park for humans. Yeah, so funny. it's like some really interesting, weird developments, but yeah. like the the story, the story tones just like really detracts from like what this film could have been. But it's so there's so much sure. potential. Um, yeah. really unique and wild film though. I think I think yeah. everyone should try it. Cool. Um, my number ten is Pig. Yeah. I I love this film. This is one of those things that uh, when I first saw it, I I loved it, but as the year went on, it just kept coming up. It kept coming up like in my head. It kept coming up like when I caught when it, the movies of the year. It just was. First of all. It's an incredibly unpredictable movie in the sense of, like, uh, what it was about, which is very shocking and very different than, I think, what a lot of people thought when they went into the movie, which I love. Uh, And it is just an amazingly beautiful portrayal of grief. And there's Mm -hmm. a lot of movies like, like this, but I think what stands out about Pig is, like, is the... 
almost like the sensitivity, like the filmmaker treats that subject. And there's a lot of filmmakers that make movies about the subject, but make the whole film dreary and not fun to watch. The thing about Pig is that, I mean, this movie made me cry. I mean, Pig is, the ending of the movie knocked me like a ton of bricks. I thought it was um, incredibly powerful. But the thing is that the movie's funny. It has really good sense of humor to it. And it's uh, a really interesting film about also the culinary world, which is uh, completely unique. I've never really seen a movie tackle culinary arts like that in film ever, or a critique of it. I've seen movies about, you know, like Seth, for example, John Cameron's Seth, which is an amazing film, but it's super lighthearted film about the culinary life. But this was like a critique of, like, boozy culinary life, which I just, I love. Uh, and Nicholas Cage gives an incredible performance. I mean, I was mad when he was snubbed for Academy Awards. It seems like he was snubbed for tons of awards, and he's yeah. amazing. He's absolutely fantastic in it. And this has become now the prime example of if you think that Nicholas Cage is just a joke actor or been in just garbage movies, Watch this movie, and if you still think that, I, I don't know what to fucking tell you. Yeah. Uh, he's absolutely incredible in this movie. And um, that, that wolf is also Alex Is it that wolf or Alex Wolf? I think Alex Wolf is in this movie. Yeah, I the think. guy from Hereditary. Yeah. Yes. The, the son. Uh, he's absolutely amazing in it, too. I just was really taken aback by this movie. And I think part of it was just the unexpectedness. Um, I don't know the, the way the film was going, but I was so satisfied of what it turned out to be. Because I remember, like, when the trailer came out, everybody was clowning on it because it looked like a fucking taken with Nicholas Cage going to get his pig back. But <laughs> yeah. instead, it's this incredibly heartwarming, heartbreaking drama that, like, I mean, did kind of the impossible. Uh, really, because it was an insane plot like that that could have easily fallen into that, you know, with Nicholas Cage as your star, you could have easily fell into that movie. But the way that the filmmakers just towed that line and made this beautiful film about grief and loss and just and dealing with it, it was just a really powerful movie experience for me in 2021. And, like, something that I was super surprised that I kept thinking about as the year went on, you know? Um, so, yeah, Pig is on Hulu. Uh, if you haven't seen it, you're, you, if you're in the mood for something kind of heavy, check that out. It's, I think it's excellent. Yeah, excellent. yeah. Yeah, we're definitely in sort of a resurging golden era of Nick Cage's career. He's really yes, pulling out some... And I'm so happy for it. So he's, just, for he's, it. he's doing some kick-ass performances lately, yeah. and it's really it's really cool to see because yeah. he's a he's a veteran legendary he's, actor. Listen, he's a national treasure. He's a national <laughs> treasure. Yeah, get it? Pug? <laughs> Anybody? Ha, ha. <laughs> but he really All is. Right. He is he is the, one of the greatest actors of our time. He really is. Yeah, yeah, incredible. Um, and Pig's a good one. My my number nine 
another kind of weird choice maybe to some but it's the witcher nightmare of the wolf which is sort of just like this the whole law it's a just a it's an action uh, not action it's an animate it is an action film but it's an animated film that netflix produced that um is a take on the witcher story uh, do you oh, know the cool. witcher at all um the story uh i watched the first season of the witcher okay all that looks I'm not. I'm not a huge fan of the game. I'm not a huge fan. Yeah. I don't. Know, I haven't read the books. I don't really like this TV show with Henry Cavill. It's fine. Yeah. I'm just not that into it. Um, so I wasn't really. I I kind of watched this because Eva was into the original, uh, the series with Henry Cavill, um, mm-hmm. and I really like 2D hand, hand-drawn animation. Yeah. I was, I'm really into that, and that's what this film was. And I thought Bro. it was a show, and it turned out to be a movie, so it caught me really off guard. And this mm-hmm. follows Vesemir, who is um, uh, whatever – what is the guy's name? Uh, whatever. The you know, character. Yeah, Henry, Ken, Henry the Cavill. And the, yeah, the, the, Geralt. the Witcher. Geralt. Geralt. Yeah, Geralt. Geralt. Yeah, he's, so he's – we follow Vesemir, who's Geralt's Geralt the mentor. Or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but we follow – How could I know that? <laughs> <laughs> So this is this is a prequel to Geralt's story oh, essentially, okay. and you're yeah, following yeah. Vesemir and sort of the some of the lore of the Witcher. And I was really surprised by how good and cool the story was and the mm-hmm. sequences. And I'm just a huge fan of of animated fantasy films with magic yeah. and stuff. I kind of love really... that. I see a lot of animated films this year. I don't know yeah. what happened. There wasn't. There wasn't. There definitely wasn't a lot of 2D films that came out. There's not a lot of 2D feature films that come out anymore. So, so that's that's another reason why I think this film really resonated with me in a, yeah. probably a deeper way than most people. Just because 2D animation is just so close to my heart, and it was really cool to see a new thing. Um, yeah. That was sort of a series that I've always wanted to like The Richer, but I've never really kind of gotten into it. So it was cool to sort of have this that I was like, oh, I actually really like this. And this is a cool fantasy story. So um, I think I think I haven't really heard a lot of people talking about it. I don't think it got a lot of buzz around it. Um, I don't know if it was just sort of like a first time watch experience that really resonated with me. If like rewatching it, it'd be kind of like mellowed out. But I I think you should watch that too. It's on Netflix. Yeah. I thought it was really good and really, really fun. Cool. Um, okay, this is a controversial one uh, for some people. And I'm going to have to explain myself. Okay. Number nine is Licorice Pizza. Um, this is the new film by Paul Collins Anderson. Um, and this film is. I'm going to try to be calm about this. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I get really worked up talking about this movie. Um, this is one of the most controversial movies of 2021. Uh, if you go on film Twitter or film TikTok or any cinephile pockets on the internet, this movie is maybe the most talked about movie that's not Spider-Man of the year. Uh, it's, it's being discussed a lot. For, for various reasons. <clears throat> and there, there's things about this film that I wanted to absolutely love this movie. I, I mean, Paul Carlos Anderson is, is maybe my favorite filmmaker. He's somebody who is inspiring me constantly. I love his films. Uh, some of his films are so near and dear to my heart that I just... 
I'm a little biased when I go to a PTA meeting, you know? I'm like, I, I think a lot of people are, honestly. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's such an iconic filmmaker he's made. And he hasn't really made a bad movie, uh, ever. Um, and I don't, and I think that there are, I, I really like Licorice Pizza. And there's things about it that I don't like. There's things about the controversy that I do agree with. Namely, uh, I don't want to get too deep into it, because I know you haven't seen it yet, but there's a, um... Um, a racist character in the movie that he's supposed to be racist, uh, and um, it's not like PTA. It's just like it's like, oh, he's racist. Oh, I didn't know that. No, he is. He's a racist character in the movie, and he's kind of played as like a joke. Uh, which I have no problem with. It just didn't come off very funny, and I think uh, kind of came off the wrong way. And a lot of people are, um taking that and running with that, like, you know, he's, Paul Collins is racist against Asian people, things mm. like that. Mm. No, he's not. Uh, it's just, it was, it just missed the mark. He, he had good intentions of whatever he was doing. It just missed the mark. So that's one thing that I do agree with. I do think that there's, it's such a small element, but there's that element that uh, did run me the wrong way. Uh, what most people are talking about is the, the, the relationship in the movie, which is with a 25-year-old girl and a uh, 17-year-old boy. And uh, there's a lot of talk about that. And all I'm really going to say about it is that the talk, the controversy literally comes down to just the idea of that is wrong and so you shouldn't see the movie, um, which I find to be just so far from progressive. Like, it's like... It's, to me, this movie um, was the relationship between Alana and Alana Hyde's character and Cooper Hoffman I found to be incredibly sweet. And it's not like it's a sexual relationship. It's not like it's, it's not like they're, you know, it's, that's part of the, the experience of the movie is that PTA, and another movie I'm going to talk about later, PTA is not telling you that these characters, that this is wrong, or this is right. They're just characters, and you're supposed to observe them, and with the story. Yeah. He's not, yeah. and I think what's happening is that there's a lot of films today, like Don't Look Up, that tell you what you should be feeling. The movie is constantly telling you, hey, climate change is bad. Hey, this is bad. And, um, and that's like a lot of movies come out. So when a movie comes out like this that is um, like showing an abnormal relationship, like, and it's not telling you that it's abnormal, it's letting the audience, like, you know, actually have an opinion and form an opinion about the film. I think people are just like, what? You know? And they go immediately towards the wrong thing. And I get if, like, you did feel uncomfortable watching this, but that's also, like, that's part of the, the movie. Like, it's, I don't know, the, the controversy behind it to me was just, I really just didn't feel that. And, like, it's not like, part of the movie is that she is dating a 17-year-old. It's not like this, like, thing that's just never brought up. And, like, this thing that, it's like that's part of her character. And this movie yeah. is kind of, a movie about 
a lost 20-year-old. Uh, someone who is um, just lost and has no real direction in her life. And she finds this person and this really eccentric, confident character in Cooper Hoffman, and they strike this relationship. And what the movie is actually, I found to be incredibly interesting is that these are two characters that shouldn't be together. Uh, and this is something that, you know, this movie is incredibly well renewed too. Um, and the controversy just seems kind of this weird pocket of the internet. <laughs> but one of the things that's been talked about a lot about the film is how kind of related to Punk Shrug Love is this like cosmic, um, I don't even know how to describe it. <laughs> With PTA's romance movies, he has this incredible vibe of like this weird cosmic energy that kind of radiates as you watch the movie and the only way i can describe it is almost like that these two characters the whole film is uh kind of about them being attracted to each other finding each other throughout various portions like various times in their life and going away because they know that they can't be together. They're like, you're 17. Like, I can't, I can't be hanging out with you, you know? And but what's interesting is that the, the cosmos keep bringing them together. And what this film is kind of about to me is this idea of soulmates and this idea of a perfect person for you and the idea of not just, like, not just sexually or romantically, just in a relationship. They don't have sex in this movie. This movie is not a sexual movie whatsoever. It's really a movie about two friends uh, that come together and find each other and that are two lost souls that are trying to find each other in this, in this 1970s San Fernando Valley backdrop. And this film's incredibly funny. It's incredibly lighthearted. It's uh, this amazingly uh, beautiful shot movie, you know, PTA, 70 millimeter. He recreated that San Fernando Valley in the 1970s. Um, it's just, it's, it reminds me a lot of the Hangout movie. It reminds me a lot of, like, Days and Confused and things like that. Uh, it's very um, interesting in that way. Uh, I love this film. I totally understand if you... Watch this and you are turned off by it and you are uh, creeped out by it and you're just like, I don't like it. And that's totally fine. This is not a film that, is, like I said, is telling you what to feel. Uh, and if you feel that way, PTA is like, got on record being interviewed with this movie and like, he's been asked about the controversy and stuff and his response is literally like, okay, like, I made this movie, this is my intentions, but if you feel that way, cool i mean I'm, okay like yeah and he just finds that interesting so like i i don't really think that this movie is problematic in really any way except for that racist element that i think is unintentional i don't think it was his intention it just came off that way unfortunately um but this is a movie that is worth seeing it is incredibly interesting and um really PTA, and so uh, I I really like Licorice Pizza, but I totally understand if this is like, if you're appalled by, if you saw it and you are listening to this and you're appalled by my choice, I am sorry. I really like this movie. I apologize. I tried to explain 
kind of my reasoning for it. I saw this movie a while ago, so kind of fresh in my mind, but, um, yeah, I mean, that's all I can really say about it. I really well, enjoyed it, but... Well, um, you motivated me to watch it yet again. Every time you talk about it, it just makes me really wish I've, I've seen it. Um, yeah. And, and that's the thing. I'm really sad that I didn't see that movie because PTA is a fantastic director who I just love, 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 and that's a film that... It's it's a historical tragedy that I did not did not see yeah. it in theaters. It sounded like I was crying because of that, which it is. It's worth crying over because <laughs> it's a PTA movie in theaters. But yeah. anyways, well said. Um, uh, number eight, right? Um, huh? My number eight is Mitchell's versus the Machines. Um, wow. This is a really really cool animated film. Uh, the same yeah, guys really who fun. made the Spider Verse, and they yeah. did another technical innovation this movie looks crazy it's insane like the the type of stuff that they do in this film it's just a really cool blending of what we can do with 3d animation technology combined with a whole bunch of other weird techniques piled on top of it like uh like like this like what they do in borderlands like they do that Mm -hmm. in michelin machines which and it looks really cool and it has just such a unique atmosphere um i think the story is really fun and all of the characters are fantastic the overall sort of like plot and progression is um like i think the beginning and setup is way stronger than how it ends which is a lot of times how i feel about movies where it's just like oh this is a really cool setup and they just don't quite get that emotional sort of resolution in the end it works i think i would say the ending is literally exactly what you think it's gonna be yeah so it's not it's not really that exciting in terms of story yeah. based on based on the ending but i will um, say though i think my favorite aspect of that film is kind of the emotional core of the movie i love the main character of that movie her being a filmmaker and her making these cool films and, and her wanting to make you know be a director and i love i love that aspect of the movie a lot uh, yeah. I thought that was incredibly fun. Yeah, the the main character was really, really strong. She's there was really no great. there was no weak performances at all. Every yeah. single every single line was just was really, really well done and really, really well. And and, yeah, yeah. All the way through. It was just it's just like just just write a little bit more interesting situations to put these fantastic characters in. You know, yeah. just at, like especially like near the ending. It's just like I I feel like I've seen a lot of this before. And you just have, there's just the potential to do something mm-hmm. absolutely crazy. But again, I don't know how many movies these guys are, are making. I don't know how many movies they're planning yeah. on making. But if they, on the trajectory that they're going on, I'm expecting right. like a few more masterpieces out of this yeah. production studio. Because Mitchell and the Machines was, well, it was Sony, fabulous overall. Really bizarre because Sony, for the longest time, made like the most garbage animated movies ever made. Like yeah. the Amazing movie. Uh, and so I don't know what happened. I guess <laughs> like so they hired some people, new people in Sony animation and made Spider Verse and then made this and making the new Spider Verse movie that comes out this year. And yeah, I mean if we look at crazy. patterns of history, sometimes you can look at a really garbage film being kind of an indicator of something really good yeah. happening because you fire Yeah, I everybody. mean that was like bottom of the fucking barrel. Yeah. I mean one of the worst blunders in cinematic history in the American movie. Yeah. So yeah, and I, then, I would and, assume that everybody got fired. 
And and what happens like after that, and I think what what this like dynamic might be with the studio or a couple other cases, for example, like Halo and Shrek, where there's mm-hmm. some disaster that happens in a studio, and then they're like they just kind of crapshoot and give like some artists free reign. Yeah. Let me underline free reign, creative control. They let yeah, them right. do what they want. They right. create a masterpiece, and then the studio's yeah. like, "That's great," and then they studio yeah. it until it becomes bad again and then the cycle right. repeats and we get new innovators or, make something great <laughs> yeah or like you know the producers say the movie is either being made for a business decision like the Elijah movie where it's mm-hmm. like capitalizing on cell phone culture and it's like the idea of the movie was or like the product of the movie was it was a product idea, you know, instead of like an actual story, story. that could be fucking yeah. told. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think the reason that I just didn't pop off as much is like, I kind of wish I saw it in theaters. Just watching it on Netflix just felt weird to me. Like, I don't know why. I just, it was such a creative, colorful, uh, animated film that I feel like it kind of took away just watching on my laptop and my bed, you know? It, it kind of broke my heart a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. But I get it, it was the pandemic, and I, and I get they probably... That would have that really, done really well if we put out theaters. I, I was certain. Um, but, like, I don't know. I, I, I think... Like, I honestly, like, I forgot about that movie, like, so quickly. And that might have just because of the streaming aspect to it, where, it, you know, these streaming movies, they come and go, uh, which is, like, one of the worst parts of that streaming, um, in my opinion, is that. Well, it was also a really bad time still because of the pandemic. Because I don't remember was... when it came out. When did it come yeah. out? Well, I think it was it was during like a the dry period of twenty twenty one. Yeah, like it came out. Yeah, it was definitely early. Yeah, for and, sure. And and the problem with like while movies were coming out during the pandemic is that people were so bored that they would watch literally everything that came out. So as soon yeah. as you finish watching Mitchell and Machines, you'd like boot up like Friends and watch that again after you finish that. Right. So it was like one of those movies that was in like this endless content of nothing happening, yeah. and it just kind of got lost in that, which right. I think it's. I think it's it's way better than like the normal drivel, and it's it's oh, a absolutely. really unique yeah. movie. But I agree with you; it just kind of got lost in yeah. that, and it's and it's it is it's just like a shame because I think yeah. that was that was a rough patch in well, cinematic it's a really, history. Really good movie that I think like if it were if it wasn't a pandemic, I think more money would be behind it. I saw no trailers, no promotion, no anything for it, too. Like, that was another big thing. I didn't know that that was even a movie until yeah. it came out on Netflix. I was like, what is what is this? Like, I had no idea what it was. Yeah. Because um, I just saw no marketing whatsoever for it, you know? Yeah. So, on, um, on the, I just kind of, I didn't watch it for a while because it yeah. was like, I was like, it seemed like just a movie that Netflix, like, just sung on there. It was just like, a bad kids movie that they just like made and just like send it on there, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> That's what it seemed like. So I didn't watch it for a while, but when I finally did, I was like, wow, it was great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I want to rewatch it too and see kind of how like watching the story again and maybe noticing some more of the nuances. Because I think after sort of getting that first viewing of the story out of my system and kind of being pre- prepared for the things I don't like, I'll be able to appreciate more of things like the set design, the soundtrack, yeah. the, the like the sure. nuances to it, which I think this film has like tenfold. You know, yeah. I've been this is this is really popular on animator Twitter. 
um, well, as, as they're kind of like going through it and seeing some of the behind the scenes and the process behind it. Yeah. Uh, really well, cool yeah, stuff. I mean, Star Wars is a mind blowing detail. Mind blowing. Ridiculous. And this new one seems like it's going to be even more mind blowing, which is crazy. Yeah. I'm hearing some things about that, which is wild. Um, okay. Yeah, cool. So that was That's eight. number eight. Yep, that was my eight. My number eight is Nightmare Alley. Mm-hmm. This movie kicks so much ass. Um, and I'm so happy that I think people are starting to see it and starting to, I'm just seeing more people talk about it, uh, especially people that I know and like people on Twitter and stuff and stuff. I'm glad that I got nominated for a couple Oscars, but just because it will help the movie get seen, you know, uh, which is always a good thing. It's the only good thing that the Academy Awards to get it right, where if they nominate a good, an actual good movie that is unseen, you know, like Nightmare Alley that not enough people saw. Um, uh, like, that's, that's a win, you know? And this film kicks ass. This is an awesome film noir, uh, directed by the guy, uh, Guillermo del Toro. And the set design, the story, the performances, it all felt like I was watching fucking something from 1955, and it was so classic in that way, you know? When something like this comes out in this day and age, with that huge budget, you know, that movie's a $100 million movie, and movies like that with that budget just don't come out anymore. And when they do, you just have to, I, like... I, I run. I'm like, I, yes, this is what I want. This is what I need, you know? And so, and this film is so great. It's so classic. It's so uh, moody. We get a whole review for it. Um, it's it's really, really great. And Bradley Cooper gives one of the best performances I've ever seen from him. I also think he's amazing with his pizza. I mean, that's that, but... Uh, his whole subplot with his pizza is fucking incredible. Uh, it's amazing. <laughs> uh, it's unbelievably good. Uh, and yeah, so Bradley Cooper killed it this year, just saying that. Uh, he's amazing at the rally. All the other performances are amazing. Can't play Jet, uh, Rudy Mara, Will Defoe, Ron Perlman. Cast is incredible. Uh, it's just a really interesting film uh, having such a awesome ending too that i just i still think about it's amazing it's a really powerful cool ass noir which i need more of more of please yeah yeah well we will definitely we'll be talking more about nightmare alley in just a second um (laughs) oh yeah so that was uh, it's not, it's, it's, it's my six, my seven nice. though, my, my seven is, uh, last night. No, 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 no. My seven is Qu- quiet place too. My seven nice. is quiet place oh, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this was, I saw this, I can't remember if I saw this in theaters, um, but I saw it. I definitely saw it. I probably would remember if I saw it in theaters. Actually, I did see it in theaters. And I saw I it saw in theaters. It in theaters. <laughs> when I saw it in theaters, there was this air conditioning unit going on. And A Quiet Place 2 is such a quiet movie that the quiet things were, it was really agitating to have that air conditioner unit going on during the super quiet yeah. thing. So that was a really annoying thing on uh, the theater side that they would not turn off their air conditioning unit. But yeah, it's ridiculous. What, I've never really heard of anything like that. I never 
never had that happen to me before. I don't know. Well, if all the movies are just so loud although, you don't hear it. But this uh, is a little saga. When I went to Batman, I don't know if I told you this the first time. There was a light bulb above me that was flickering the whole time. Oh God, that's it was, mad. I was thought I was going crazy. <laughs> I couldn't. I was watching the movie. And I was like, "What's wrong with my eyes?" Because it kept like <laughs> yeah. flickering. And I finally looked up. And I was like, "Oh my God, this is anyway. this is insane." Yeah, movie 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 theater mishaps suck. But um, they really Qu- do. Quiet Place Two is really really good. It's, it's really so good. really good. Um, it's, so it's good. such an intense and thrilling movie. It's such a original idea that's so yeah, refreshing yeah. to have original stories and movies yeah. that are Again, giant budget too, yeah know? with a giant budget behind it um yeah. funny enough like this is my, my, my one of my favorite parts about this movie is like the flashback scenes which a lot of times is not as the are the weakest parts the of opening, movies the, yeah the opening of the film is awesome it's yeah. one of the best openings to like a blockbuster I've seen a long time. Like, yeah. It's so exciting. I, I I thought it was it was some of like the best things of Quiet Place One and Two. I thought that yeah. sequence yeah. was just so yeah. so strong. So well directed. And who um, would have thought that Doctor Zinsu could direct the shit out of a movie? I know. Like, I mean, it's, there it's are amazing. scenes in that movie where I'm like, dude, like what could who what was he watching when he like? I mean, who just Incredible, it's incredibly well directed. It seems like a type of thing that he's just had in his mind for like forever. Yeah. That it's just kind yeah. of been sitting there and stewing, and you yeah. really feel the complexity. It, it's just there in the film. It's so cool because it's such yeah. a complex and nuanced idea, but it's still so tight and fast paced, and it's so and that, fun to watch. And not just like that. I think what like really blows me away about the Quiet Place movies too is that they're not just like fun alien thrillers that like provide thrills there's an emotional like core and like this really like like the the end of quiet place 2 almost made me cry like it was that emotional for me because really what the movie's about is about a mother seeing their kids grow up and the last shot of that movie was so indicative of that to me and like really really struck me um that aspect to it was so great because you're right it's so fast-paced it's so there's so much going on and when when a film like a thriller like that ends on this super personal and character note and like really recontextualize kind of what the movie was kind of doing and it kind of slips the rug out from under you. It's amazing. Yeah. And like you know, it's not the most complex thing in the world, but that's all you fucking need. Yeah, that's yeah. All you fucking need, man. Yeah. Like, yeah. I I thought about in the first part too. Like, this whole trilogy seems like about family, you know, and and like that's great. You know, I'm glad that one of the biggest franchises has a like an idea behind it not just like this cool world but the idea of like what it wants to say with yeah. these films you know yeah yeah absolutely agree it's all it's that family dynamic that really kind of punches it to the next level and also um what yeah. i think some people naysayers although i don't hear any naysayers for quiet place i haven't gotten any no. arguments about quiet place it's really good but like the gimmick about it where it's sure. like the the monsters you yes. can't talk as much is yeah. actually a really good thing because it's kind of going back to basics because when when you're yeah. if you're in film school and you're learning about film what they tell you is like don't do dialogue 
Don't do dialogue. Just do a silent movie. And when you are forced to not talk in a film, good shit happens because it turns into visual storytelling. And guess what? That's what Quiet Place 2 is. That's that's one one of the the reasons why it works so well. One of the things that, like, Quiet Place is such a cool franchise because it's everything that a Hollywood franchise should be. It's like this incredibly original idea. Um... That not only is like original in the sense of like, you know, we haven't seen aliens like that before or a world like that, but it enhances like the filmmaking process, which is like the, the most perfect idea. I mean, I'm being honest with you. I mean, if I was a studio, I mean, I can't believe, if I was a producer and that idea fell on my lap, I would be like, oh. This is amazing. This is incredible. Because if you get a director like Josh Krasinski, who knows what the fuck he's doing, apparently, uh, with thriller uh, <laughs> yeah. filming. And I love Josh He's a great actor, but I do not think that he's, like... I mean, there's some, like... There is some legit Alfred Hitchcock-level suspense yeah, that's what I was in say. some of these movies. Like, yeah. it's really amazing. I think about the bathtub scene in the, in the first film. Yeah. I think about the, uh, the whole uh, Gawk sequence in the, second, in the second film with Killian Murphy's character and those, uh, you know, Gawk dwellers. Like, that whole scene was yeah. absolutely or the amazing shit, to like me. The shit with the radio in Quiet oh, Place 2, that was amazing. so Hitchcock. Yeah, the, so... And then, the, yeah, the, and then, you know... Uh, the ending scene yeah i mean it's just incredibly well-directed shit and like that's kind of what i want to see you know yeah. and emily blunt is absolutely the, the oh, acting is so amazing good. you know yeah and, she's so good yeah they're they're such fun films i cannot wait if they make a third one i don't know what the third one would be but it, i i'm here for it if they yeah. make it you know yeah that's the thing that's the thing about this film sort of what you were talking about with dune earlier that i kind of had that feeling with quiet place too where i sure. loved it but it was so grabbing to me where it was just like or mainly it's that that backstory part with john yeah. in the flashback it's like i, I want to know what the rest of that and that's going to be right. in three i think so i'm really yeah. excited and i really hope that i feel like if he's if he's gonna make a three he went he must have an idea for it so i yeah. really trust that i get i always get nervous with endings because an ending oh, like again, <laughs> look at star wars the new star wars trilogy yeah, 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 it yeah. really so messes many, things man. up it messes Part things up always are most like they have a bad success yeah. rate most of them are not good yeah yeah so I'm yeah. i'm a little intimidated by that and i'm really hoping that i mean regardless of how what how good or bad Quiet Place Part 3 is going to be, Quiet Place 2 is standalone fantastic. Right. It's still really but even super like the thing too to me is like, even if they just do make 2, I was pretty satisfied by the ending of the movie. Like, in terms of like the emotional aspect of like, yeah, sure, there's a lot of open questions about like, like, first of all, they're, they're still separated. The, the, right. the family is separated at the end of that film. So there are a lot of questions like, you know, like, are they going to get back? Like, what? They're, they're so far separated now. Um, but uh, I was so emotionally satisfied that if they just made two, like, for some reason they don't make a third, I would be fine with that. Like, yeah. Okay, it's cool. Two great movies, but I do want to see a third one. Though, yeah, yeah. I think, sure. I, think, I think also it's a really 
that that's 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 been like a really cool thing about also the quiet place thing is how they've sort of ended each one and just kind of continued on wow. because quiet place 2 started like right where it left off which yeah. is a really yeah. cool thing yeah. to do right. uh, especially for such a fast-paced film like this where yeah. you just kind of get right back into it which i think right. is why he ended it right there like that yeah. Yeah. which is that's a true. really cool yeah. way to end a film and i actually right. think it makes it stronger to end sort of yeah. like in the middle of action like that Absolutely. but it's yeah. also like the anticipatory of like yeah. getting back onto the ride again. Yes. Um, yeah. Um, but a- anyways, part two. Part two. Quiet Place Part Two. Yeah, Quiet Place Part Two is awesome. Um, seven. Yes. For me, it's the power of the dog. Um, mm. I love this film. I absolutely. I think this film is so interesting, and um, you know, we did a whole review of this movie too. Uh, this is the movie I'm rooting for at the Academy Awards. Clearly one that, uh, I mean, there's some best pictures. I, I, I like West Side Story. I like, I like, like, Rally. I like, you know, Doom. I like, so, I like, well, honestly, I like most of the movies that I saw, like, in the best picture list. Um, but this is the one that I'm rooting for just because of, for one, like, I found this to be, like, an incredibly interesting western. There's there's some controversies that have come out about the actor Sam Elliott. Have you seen this? Yeah, he's calling it shit, right? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, well, I didn't I, read I love that, Sam but... Elliott. I'm taking this with a grain of salt. The guy is like, you know, I think he's in his seventies. You know, he's you know he's an older guy. But yeah, he said something. <laughs> he said something on like the. Uh, like a podcast or something and he was like yeah i don't see that was, like why are the cowboys like basically like i don't want to see this movie it's about gay cowboys which is not what the west is like which is hilarious um which is so ironic because that's kind of what the fucking movie's about you yeah fucking right idiot. yeah that's uh, it's about so... this idea of false masculinity yeah um and he hasn't he, he he didn't watch it so yeah, so like, okay. Um, maybe he would feel differently if he watches the movie. Yeah. Um, but that just made me laugh. But, That'd be, that's um, a, this but, is a great piece of advice that keeps coming up on this podcast, and it blows me away how stupid it is. But wait to make your opinions until you have experienced something. Well, yeah, that's kind of the thing that I, I don't think... My listeners pizza rant, I didn't really remember what I said, but that's one of the things I tried to get at was like... Just See watch it movie. first. Just try yeah. it. <laughs> See the movie. I know it sounds odd, but watch it. And I think you'll realize, like, oh, this is not what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Not like a 25-year-old, 17-year-old. Or it is exactly what you thought it could be, and you right. could be validated that it's like, I yeah, was exactly. right. That would feel right. great, right? It would feel yeah, so right. good if you're right. <laughs> or see, yeah, just see it. <laughs> see it no matter what. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, but the Power of the God, like, it has one my favorite performance of the year, one of the cover maps, absolutely is mesmerizing. I've never seen him give a performance like that, who's such an asshole, who's so charismatic, who's so interesting of a character. Uh, R.I.P. Bronco Henry. Uh, Bronco I Henry. Just, <laughs> I just think that this film is so interesting and, like, has a lot of interesting things to say about, obviously, what I was mentioning, false masculinity, toxic masculinity, uh, what will you, what will you do for your mother, uh, things like that that I just found to be it was also super surprising. I didn't really know what this movie was, and I was really surprised at how much it got its teeth into me, and like how much I 
uh, really enjoying it. And um, Sonic Greenwood, please, Academy, just give him an Oscar. Can you just do it? Please. I can't believe they haven't done that just yet. stop. I mean, what are y'all doing? Has I he mean, been nominated? Yeah. Okay. I think he was nominated for Phantom Thread. And, um, Not um, There Will Be Blood? He wasn't nominated for There Will Be Blood? No, that's a big controversy. That's yeah, so that dumb. Yeah, that was a big controversy. So when that movie came out, we'll sign it. We've got to agree with music and Paragon's absolutely incredible. Uh, and Spencer, by the way. Um, but he, um, the, he was ineligible for There Will Be Blood because of academy bullshit reasons it was like he's part of like a band i think that was like kind of it was the dumbest thing i've ever heard i can't i can't i honestly i can't really remember i'll have to look it up again no, that's so but it silly. was so, he was ineligible and i can't remember why but i think yeah. it had it might, I, if i remember it connected to radiohead in some way um but yeah that's i so i love the music in this movie um i love all the performances uh jane, jane champion Hot champion. I can't call her that. Jane Campion. Campion. C-A-T. Yeah, no C-H. I probably call um, her champion too. Sorry. I think that she directed <laughs> a really interesting Western. Uh, yeah, I really like this. I really love this movie. And I'm rooting for it. Go. You know? Go. <laughs> go all the way, baby. <laughs> go, power of the dog. Go. Yeah, I'll be happy for that. But, yeah, it was, um, a cool, it yeah. was cool. It was super unique. Super unique film. Um. Okay. Number Seven. No. Six. Five. Six. Or six was like our alley, right? No. No. My not my, my alley is five. I have another oh, secret. Okay. I have a secret six. I have a secret six. My six okay. is last night in Soho. Oh nice. I'm um, glad that you liked it that much. I, I love this we happy. I a hundred percent agree with you that the ending that the twist is a bit is a bit of a bummer. You know like um, a lot of people like really don't like what's the reasoning for disliking it i don't know interesting i don't really understand like okay let me let me just on my letterbox on like my letterbox friends you know um look at the ratings this is the average is 3.5 which is like good uh letterbox oh out of of four yeah but all my followers it's like two four stars three stars two and a half stars two and a half stars and four and a half stars wow Interesting. It's one of the most divisive things I've ever seen. Um, so I got, oh, and two and a half. So I really, I don't know. I, yeah. I really, I'm just, I'm actually perplexed. I need to ask somebody who yeah. didn't like it. I w- I'd be curious about that too. Like, I could kind of see it, but um, for me. But like, like I, not like it? Like, I, a little bit? Like, out of like three stars? Uh, not even like, yeah, like, because like, I feel like there's just. There are, there's like. To me, there's objectively incredible sequences in the movie. Yeah. Like, I think and, most of the sequences are incredible. There's, like, weaker yeah. parts, but I feel like most of the sequences are just, like, really, really well made. Yeah. Um, so I agree. I find that just really strange that it's kind of an, an, a low maybe average. Was, like, maybe people were just... Because I was disappointed in the ending, but not so much that, like, it, like, ruined the movie. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, like... I don't know. But anyway, go ahead. Why do you like it so much? I I liked it. I liked it a lot because 
Edgar Wright is a real ass director who yeah. will actually do cool shit with movies instead mm-hmm. of just sort of like phone in something. And this is also a real deviation from his normal shtick. And he really did a yeah. good ass job yeah. with it. Um, I think one of uh, off the bat, I think maybe th- I, maybe this will affect people's opinion of it. I wouldn't really call this a horror movie. It was yeah. really advertised as a horror movie, but yeah. it's more of just there's like a, a there's horror horror. Yeah, horror, there's like yeah. some scary, and especially at the like, beginning, I was really uncomfortable because ghosts. I'm kind of embarrassed by yeah. how much ghosts freak there's me some out. Cool ghosts, uh, but like, there's, there's the some beginning. Cool the, the beginning <laughs> ghost stuff was really kind of got me pretty pretty good i was was pretty unsettled so but uh, overall i would call it more of like a mystery thriller with like a supernatural sort of twist to it so i think it's not i think he's kind of pushing the horror a little bit too hard and should just lean to it to it being more of like this creepy thriller yeah 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 so so maybe that's kind of like rubbing people the wrong way. It's like that wasn't really that scary or mm-hmm. whatever it was. It's like okay, yeah, sure, but like there's yeah. actually a story here which most films don't yeah. have in this garbage ass universe that but we're living know, in right now. <laughs> I wonder if you agree with me on this, but that's all, one of the reasons that I really really enjoy it is that um, it's it's referencing a genre a movie that I think a lot of people just don't like, just aren't aware of, which is, like, kind of these, like, almost, like, pseudo-sexual kind of thrillers, and these, like, I think about films like, like, Brian De Palma and things mm-hmm. like that, that mm-hmm. were, like, Dress to Kill and, and uh, things like that, which, um, I think not a lot of movies, and it, 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 I think Soho also has a B-movie, like, a B-horror movie-type vibe to it, to me, a little bit, um, which, you know, I think a lot of nation audiences just aren't privy to, you know? Um, and, like, that vibe of it, um, which is definitely something about it that makes it unique, in my opinion. Um, and I can kind of pick up on, like, kind of the influences that are going in it. And it's, there are different influences. It's not like, you know, this... It's hard to pin down. Yeah. I think it's what you're kind of getting at. It's yeah, yeah. hard to categorize it you know yeah that's i think that that's definitely one of the reasons that that i i love that so much about kind of how it blends all these things of history while also still being really new and unique and fresh to me because i loved i love the way that i love the set design uh, of that movie yeah the set design is beautiful and i I love i love the way that edgar wright um blended sort of uh sexual sexual um harassment and assault with horror and really just leaning into that that just the idea you know yeah, been around forever. Yeah, you know? but he did it in a way where it wasn't like it wasn't like sexual assaults and horror. It was like the sexual assault was the horror, which yes. was that was different yes. to me, yes. which was really cool. And I think yes. one of the reasons why that felt so different and worked so well was the main character was she was so strong. I yeah, liked Kyle her Kendrick so Kendrick incredible much. Yeah. And I think her character one of I the, love all the performances of the Yeah, they're all really, really amazing. And I thought I thought she was so good because she was such a good representation of like people our age living yes, in that world. I totally agree with you. I haven't yeah. really seen a good representation of like someone like of mm-hmm. our generation being in a type of movie like that and sort of having that inner complex okay. which it wasn't like yeah. she was it wasn't like she was oversaying it sort of like how in Scream was where they were trying really hard to be hip to the generation. Sure. She just was like was a kid who yeah. lives in this generation. It really that, felt that like that is super nostalgic to the 50s. This is a major part of the 
Yeah, and I think I thought that was like a really cool blend. Which is also, such a cool thing because I think a lot of people are age, uh, especially with like things like the 80s and things like that, are so caught up in the past, you know, and yeah. so caught up in these things that we wish we lived in a different time. Which, what I love about this movie, I think I'm catching you, is like the idea of like, you know, she's obsessed with the 50s. She loves the music. She loves the clothes. Like, the fashion that she's designing are very... I love that parallel, too, that she is... What the, the, these dreams that she's going into, going back to the 50s, it inspired her art, which I thought was a really cool thing that was happening, you know? Yeah. Um, but, um, it's like the idea of, like, you think that you want to live in this time, and then you realize, like, Oh, that time was terrible. Like, that yeah. time was awful. Yeah. Uh, and it's like the idea of, like, nostalgia coming to, like, kill you, you know? Like, yeah. which I just thought was so awesome, you know? And something that I've never seen a movie tackle ever, really, like, like that, you know? I mean, maybe think of a few, but I would have to sit down and think about it. But, yeah, that, that was probably the coolest aspect to me about it, like, thematically. Yeah. And I, and I think that this film will also continue to age well because I think it's sort of yeah. its uniqueness and like special qualities and sort of fresh take on sort of old ideas will really become more apparent as time goes on. And it will it will I think it will last the storm more than a lot of yeah. movies that might get a lot more acclaim like that have that came out around it. I think this movie right. will stick around a lot more. Maybe maybe it'll just stick around because Edgar Wright has a bunch of other films and people will be like, oh, this film's interesting. And it'll just be kind of like this oh, weird film. I mean, Edgar Wright is one, but... of the, one of the most interesting filmmakers working today. That's 100 percent going to happen. You know, I mean, people are, you know, discovering out here, like, you know, actual filmmakers you know, today they're discovering smaller films that maybe didn't get as much notoriety as they did when they first came out, you know? Um, and I, yeah, I, I can totally see that happening with this, this film. Um, yeah, I'm glad we have it so high because I do really, I do have a lot of fun with it, you know? Yeah, And I was yeah. just so disappointed to see the response to it. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I, that is, that is a bummer to me too, but you know, at the end of the day, I just care that I like it. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. so, um, and I did, I liked it a lot and I think you should watch it too and not like it if you want, but I guess, I don't know, feel yeah. like you're missing out. <laughs> um, number six for me, I got, I don't know, it's a movie, I don't care. It's Bo Burnham's, uh, Inside. Yeah. <sighs> This thing's, this thing's brilliant. This was, like, mind-blowing upon impact, you know? Like, when it came out and saw it, it was, like, fucking mind-blowing. Um, I'm sure you, if you're listening to this, I'm sure you've seen it. I'm sure you've heard about it. I'm, I'm almost certain that you've seen it. Um, and if you haven't, it's on Netflix. Please go watch this. This is, like, a uh, movie, comedy special high art YouTube video is <laughs> the way we call it. Um this thing is absolutely brilliant. And like I think Bill Burnham, you know, he I've been a fan of him for a long time, you know. I remember watching what the first special when it came out. So um, so good. So funny, so good, so quirky and weird. Um and I remember wa- I watched that shit on repeat in high school. Um, like Make Happy, which is Netflix special, which again just blew me away. 
uh, wasn't as funny as what, but the ending to that was just so amazing to me. It was like one of the most like mind-blowing things I've ever seen just in terms of like performance art and performance just in general. Uh, it was one of the most unique comedy specials I've ever seen. And this was, one, it was completely unexpected. Uh, he kind of just like announced it, released it out of the blue. Um, and I was just absolutely blown away by, one, how funny it was, right? How um, funny the songs were, which, you know, that's a given, you know? He's made two, three comedy specials. They're all great. They all have funny songs. But what I wasn't expecting was for him to lean into this idea that he's been kind of forging with, like, the first two comedy specials is the idea of he doesn't want to be doing this. There is this weird uh, undertone, especially to Lay Crappy, where he, he the, the ending of that special is so revealing to me because it was, at the time, because it was, he was basically saying, like, I'm depressed and I really don't like doing this, uh, but it makes you guys happy, so that's why I'm doing this, um, and, uh, that special just has this tone of, like, um, a person who feels obligated to be entertaining the audience, it feels like that he needs to be doing it, but personally, he is, like, it's destroying him, and there were tons of stories and things, like, he quit touring for years, and that's kind of part of inside, is, uh, part of that, um, anxiety of leaving stage and leaving the spotlight because he needed it. And what this is an opportunity with this pandemic, he took it upon himself to make this comedy special um, slash film in one room all by himself. He did all the lights together himself. He edited it. He did everything. Yes, sir. I think the only people that are credited are like colorists and things like that in the producing part of it, which is unbelievable, uh, which is really nuts that he did this all himself. And that's part of the, the film, that's part of the experience of him making this thing. It's this really interesting, reflexive film kind of about that he turns it on himself. And it's kind of about the idea of performance, and it's about like the idea of even writing a comedy special and what that means. What's the point of me even doing this? What's the point of me even talking to an audience that, like, what what is this? Like, so there's so many things that he tackles in this thing that are incredibly dark. Um, like things like anxiety, depression, suicide. Like there there are some really really sad and dark elements in this, um, and. Uh, but it's also incredibly funny. And there's also some songs that are genuinely uh, tear-inducing and genuinely well-written songs. I think of that funny feeling. I think of that last song. Uh, it's, they're not even, there's no joke in any of them. And when they are jokes, it's more of like Father John Misty jokes, where it's like a sense of humor in his music, but it's... Um, but there's, it runs the gamut. You know, there's ridiculous songs like FaceTime with your mom, and then there's, like, things like that. And the way that he just put everything together was unlike anything ever I'd ever seen. It's, yeah. It's truly a masterful experiment just gone right. 
uh, and this, this amazing thing that I will not be replicated. That's the thing about this is when I watch this, I said, that will never be replicated. Like, it, there will nothing, there will never be anything like this, ever. Um, because it's so low-burning. And the pandemic really um, also added to this spell in a, in a really big way. And what's interesting, I also wanted to ask you, do you think, I do get the sense that this documentary, this thing, whatever this is, film, was going to come out if there wasn't a pandemic. Like, he was still going to make something like this. Um, do you think that, or do you think that this was, do you think he had this idea to do something like this because of the pandemic, or do you think that this idea was already... I would love to ask him that. Because there is this weird thing where he left the stage for years, and, like, if there wasn't a pandemic, this thing would still be incredibly great. It really would. It yeah. still would be incredibly good. So I don't know if, like, he had this idea or it was, like, the pandemic sprung it. I don't know. I, I kind of remember in the in the, in the the film that he was talking about how one of the things that made the process of making inside such a, a challenge for him was that he was at a good place and he was getting ready to try touring again. And yeah, then right, it happened right, and he kind of got right. stuck inside oh, to, yeah, do, to right, do all that right, stuff. So right. I don't know. I think he had this idea and I don't think it was motivated well, for by the pandemic. I, I, I'm yeah. not quite sure. It was, it was definitely one of those things that it felt sort of like creepily serendipitous that it happened yeah. at the same because time. Because there's this, like, the last moment of uh, Lake Happy, he walks into this house, you know, this room, this, like, shed. Mm-hmm. And the shed, like, comes back, like, in this film. So, like, it's weird that, like, maybe he had this, like, idea or he just, you know, thematically connected the two what he decided to make this. I don't know. It's kind of irrelevant, but I was just curious. <laughs> so, I don't know. It's, it's, a cool, it's a cool layer of depth to it, though, too, that it's... Yeah, it's right, exactly. It, it, it adds a certain degree of significance to an already very significant yeah. film experience. No, I, I think it's uh, genius. I don't know. I, it's one of the most genius things I've ever seen. And it's also, like, so deep in the perspective of a YouTuber, he, he started out as a YouTuber. This is truly like the first high art thing something has made, like a YouTuber has like made in my opinion, where it is so interesting. Um, like for people our age, this is like a magnum opus. Like there is something about this that connects so hard to people millennials and Gen, Gen Z. It's just like it's about internet culture. It's about, um, you know, his spell, his spell that he got eighth grade was also tackling a lot of these same subjects. And so he just understands this uh, really strange culture of internet culture and influencer culture in a way that is um, just amazing. And I, I can't wait to see what he does next. If it's a fail, it's... I think he's he's going to make incredible shit. Like I think people need to buckle in. So I think he's going to write or direct another thing that is just absolutely mind blowing. Um, Amen, brother. I, I I really agree. I with love that. that shit. I've seen it like five times. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Inside is good. Uh, 
my my number five is Nightmare Alley. Um, well, you said so much good shit about it. I agreed with everything you said. Um, I I really loved that it was this very classical take on making a film, which was cool for Guillermo, yeah. which is because it's different than his normal sort of like monster features yeah. and stuff like that. Um, and it was just really cool to see how really see how good of a director he actually was. Again, just a reminder that it's just like yeah. I don't need shit. I just need good actors, yeah. or right. I, I just need actors who I can get into my world and will will make shit happen. And that's mm-hmm. what Nightmare Alley is. It really, it's 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 a film that like I really don't have any problems with. Um, yeah. It's. I guess I could make a like a complaint that it's is like it stays very comfortably in sort of like the classical way of films that like it follows like that old formula the of war. making movies. It's very yeah. straight up noir. Right. Yeah. And it follows that formula like to a T in a yeah. very, very good way. Not in a way that it's just like, yeah. oh, I wish you did something different. It's like this is a modern noir, which is yeah. really, really cool. I think what makes it different is Guillermo's text like directing right, text, which right. makes it or like, the, uh, like the set design and right. just like the tone right. or like right. the, uh, all that kind of stuff is right. Is, but the story is right along the wire, baby. You know? yeah. It's a remake of a noir film. Right, 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 right. So the story the story is very, very but classical even, I don't think we even mentioned in our review that this is a remake. It yeah. is a remake. Of, of well, film. actually, I th- when I was looking it up, I think he, he... I don't know if it's he considers it a... I think he considers it an adaptation of the book because he wasn't remaking okay. the movie. He was yeah. basing it off of the book that he read right, of it. Right. Um, but, you know, it's technically it's like... It's, yeah, yeah, true. It's, yeah. It's, yeah, it's another adaptation of the book. Yeah. Right, right, right. Um, but man, was yeah. it was it good? You know, like yeah. it was it was good. It really used that source material and just like sucked all the good stuff out of uh, it and put it all onto the screen. I really want to yeah, read I mean, the book now and just kind of like compare it and see it. I want to watch the other yeah. the old movie of it version of it too. And yeah, just like watch them all. Um, yeah. Because old noirs are so sick, man. They're yeah, so sick. Yeah. And I would love to see, like, how... I would love yeah. to see just all the versions of the story because it's it's Absolutely. such a great story. It's such a great, just great bread-and-butter noir story. Universal. Yeah. Nightmare um, Alley. Super good. Yeah, super great. Number five, uh, Ku Kong. Sick. Um, That's high. Yeah, I mean, this is another movie, kind of like Pig. You know, I saw this in, like, October, and it just has sat in my mind. I mean, it is just such a wholly unique experience. Um, and something that, like, I was disappointed by at first because I'm kind of leaning away that the story... We just posted a review for it, so... But I say that, I think of that review where it's like, the the story didn't go exactly the way that maybe I wanted it to when I pressed play, which is kind of unfair, which is like kind of weird that I had these feelings. Yeah. It's one of the weirdest feelings ever with films that some people have is like this idea of expectation um, and this idea of like wanting a certain story when you go see something. And when you, especially when you go see an art film like Kukong, the whole idea of it is that they are subverting what she's smarter than you. <laughs> she is. 
He, that's why he's a filmmaker and won the Paul Gawar at the Cannes Film Festival. Like, he is literally trying to subvert the idea of a movie like that. And she 100% does. And not only does she do that, she creates something that is so thematically, it's like an abyss. You can literally, there is so much that you can grab onto and talk about. I mean, we had an awesome discussion about it. And it is a cool genre movie, too. And it's also like this, it's a genre movie, but it's also, the first half of it, you're like, oh, this is a genre film. And then, it just goes banana. It, it, it crossed, I love films that do this where genre bending is what it's called, mm-hmm. is that they just, the lines are so blurred. I don't know what to fucking call this. Like, a thriller, drama, horror? I don't know. Like, I don't know what the fuck to call this. Like, um, and that's, like, amazing to me. And that's something that, like, this one was challenging for me, but the more I thought about it, and after we did that podcast, I was just like, man, that movie is really good. Uh, just the more copy about it and stuff, um, I really grew to like it. And I started to, I, I, I want to finish it, but I started to rewatch it. And like, I already kind of liked it more uh, just because I knew kind of where it was going. And I, just, I think this, this song is really, really cool and really good. Um, and, like, I am definitely going to continue to watch this for the rest of my life. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. That's uh, super dope. such an interesting movie. But, yeah, that, that's five. That's five. Cool. Yeah. That's a Teton is a sweet nothing. There is nothing in this world like Teton. Only Teton Mm-mm. is like Teton. Um, my no. My number four is inside it's my turn to gush about this film holy shit what i love what you said right when you started off which was mind-blowing on impact what a good way to describe this film because it is such a gut punch from the moment you start it you're like what what is going on and then the more you watch it the more it just like it just like hits you because it's sad it's funny it's like exciting you're just like you're like guessing it's like what's gonna happen next which is so weird to be thinking that when you're watching a musical comedy special whatever what like what the hell and i i really see this film as a giant paradigm shift in the ideas of what film could be because he just totally subverted yeah. all like the models of like thinking what movies have to be yeah. and just and like you said innovating the YouTube format into this level of yeah. being high art which yeah. YouTube videos are getting to that point YouTube videos yeah. are getting fucking yes. good yes. especially yes. recently and not just because in, it's in quality wise yeah. yeah in terms of like yeah yeah they are for sure I uh so I I think that this inside is is a is is the future honestly I think it's I, the future in a lot you. of ways um yeah. I I don't I I don't think like you like you said I agree this is a not replicable film you It'll can't like replicate this but and if you do people are gonna be like what the fuck are you doing yeah you're just you doing know? Bo Burnham and Bo yeah, Burnham's right. always gonna do Bo Burnham better than you because right. he's Bo right. Burnham well not only that it's like this is such a unique thing that like you could like even if you were set socks up like it and like what the fuck are you doing yeah yeah right but, but like it, just the look of it is so unique 
but cool. the, the thing that's crazy about it is like you can't replicate it but the feeling that he captured in it is i think what's the thing that's going to propel and what's going to grab onto people yeah. like you and me because yeah. everyone i've talked to who've watched that has had this ex- like deeply resonant experience about it that was mm-hmm. just so cool and another factor that is a really simple factor about it that i found to be deeply deeply profound is the fact that he did it all himself which is just the idea of which we you get so caught up in this in like this consumerist modern world where you just feel like you need something to do anything like Mm -hmm. i need to buy an expensive pen to be able to draw something i need to buy a nice car to be able to get places i need to go to a nice school to be able to have a future i need to buy nice clothes to be able to be go out and see people i need to buy like all this stuff where it's like you have this feeling of needing things and the format of films is such a big when you think about films it's such there's these massive budgets behind it which makes it feel so inaccessible to be a filmmaker if you don't understand how it works like how do you ever get to that point of making movies and this is so great because it's like yeah it's not later raiders in the lost ark you know it's not some epic fan it's not star wars it's not something like that but it's a resonant movie that connects with people and you could do that too you know you you have to like um, prior, like these things that were like self-financed and that were made by, you know, a group of people or one person, you yeah. know, uh, it does totally have that spirit as well, to, as well, yeah, you're absolutely right. And the other thing is, which is so great about how open he is about his mental distress, yeah. also goes to the inspiration factor, because there's also this, this fetish with celebrities and people who make creative stuff, that they're that these part perfect... Of the, part of the really interesting, the part of the and you 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 look at these people like they're they're superhumans who are perfect who can only make good stuff and bo which is not true at all and bo burnham really puts that to the forefront about saying that like not only is that not true but there is no other way to do this type Mm -hmm. of deep really good like creative work without being having this huge burden of stress on it you know when you're at that level you have to face that or you're not going to make something good and it also there's a that last moment of the film is so indicative of what you just said there's this last last moment of the film is like he is watching himself basically being laughed at um as he tries to get back into the house and he's um and he's as he's watching himself like basically struggle and people laugh at him he's watching it and smiles with like a smirk and it's like that's the end of it and that invokes that very thing where it's like i have to almost be I have to accept this. This is part of my existence. Yeah. Is, yeah. Is living this life, you know? Yeah. Um, which is so personal, you know, and so crazy. Yeah. And it's and it's a type of film that I love because you can't ever sum it up in words. It's impossible to no. sum up in words because there's something that this film does and communicates to you that can't you can't say. And that's yeah. what films are for. They're for getting to that film, that feeling that can only be created through watching that specific film. And um, this is yeah. this is like a particularly 
this is just like a particularly complex one. And it's like, it's, oh. it's one of those things where it's just like, I'm so happy to be alive when it came out. It's just, yeah. it was just that significant yeah, to me. Yeah, it's definitely like a cultural phenomenon. And something that like, I mean, Gales is like kind of good already a voice of like a generation. And then this was kind of like, really just putting on the Matt Rushmore of, yeah, internet people, <laughs> you know, uh, he kind of made it through this. He's one of the first ever YouTube stars, and he kind of made it through that and kind of transcended to this filmmaker who's making like really high concept, artful things, but still has that spirit of a YouTuber. Which, yeah. um, another thing that is uh, explored in the film very subtly, but, um, yeah. Yeah. Like Amazing. you said, man, it's genius. It's genius. Yeah. It's absolutely genius. Um, okay, that was four. Yeah, it was my four. Okay. My four is the Green Knight. Damn. <clears throat> Incredible movie. This is another movie that I feel like there are people who liked it, and there are people who were like, eh, you know? Like, yeah. I, there were some of my friends that were like, yeah, that was cool. And then, like, I, it was one of those movies that, like, it came out, and, like, I was like, what the fuck? I was like, holy shit, dude, that yeah. was that fucking <laughs> unbelievable, like, unbelievably great. And, like, yeah. You know, and, 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 I get it. It's not for everybody. This movie is um, incredibly uh, weird. I mean, it's a, it's a medieval epic, um, fantasy epic, and it's not grounded in any way. Um, and it's um, also an A24 film. It, it, it is artful, you know? Where it asks questions. It doesn't, again, this is a film that doesn't tell you what to think, and it doesn't tell you what you should be feeling in every fucking moment. Uh, it lets you sit in the vibe of the movie and interpret the characters and interpret the story the way that you want this, you, the way that you, you know, take it in. Uh, and this is such a, like, stimulating, visually stimulating film. Like, it's one of the most beautiful looking movies of the year, easily. Out there, like, doing West Side Story, uh, Liquor's Pizza. This film is, like, absolutely uh, gorgeous to look at. There are so many incredible um, scenes in this movie, visually, and so many, like, interesting motifs, uh, visual motifs throughout it, interesting metaphors visually. I keep saying that because there's barely, there's not a lot of dialogue in this movie. Uh, there, there, there is, but it's very um, minimal. And it's very, like, uh, it's all about the, the visual experience and you going on this journey with Darwin visually and watching him go through this experience and this trial um, and ultimately ending in such a bizarre, unexpected, and absolutely brilliant way uh, that is one of those things that <laughs> some of my friends, I think, still have yet to be like, I have no idea what happened <laughs> at the end of that. Um, and like, part of me is like, really? But another part of me is like, okay, I, I can maybe see that. Because um, if you're not, like, in the vibe of the movie and it's not working for you, really, because this movie really is relying on 
you need to pay attention and you need to kind of pick up all these metaphors as these visual motifs and these visual metaphors as he's going through the, the landscapes and the, and the journey. But if you're not picking up on those, the ending like, will just go right over your head. Um, and I get it, but I, I, I would suggest step back, read a little bit, maybe read a little bit about the, the Green Knight poem, and maybe uh, think about it that way, and I think you'll get a lot out of it. But this is um, David Lowry. This guy makes fucking goat movies. I love this movie, and I also love A Ghost Story, which is uh, one of the most odd, beautiful films I've ever seen. Um, he's a filmmaker to watch. He makes, he's making some really interesting films. And someone who I think is kind of underrated. I think a lot of people talk about Ari Aster, Robert Eggers, you know, all these fucking guys. Yeah. Filmmaker. But... Dean Lowry is making some really good shit. Yeah. Not only is he making really good shit, he's making like every like every film is wildly different. Like and that's something that is really impressive to me. He's making he his next film is Peter Pan. Yeah. An I, adaptation I, yeah, of Peter so Pan. Wild. <laughs> um and his he did an adaptation of Pete's Dragon, which I thought was incredible. I thought it was so good. Uh, and so, like, and he made, like, a ghost story, which is, I'm not kidding, like, one of the weirdest, like, it's a concept for a film that you, only a great filmmaker can even pull off. Like, it's, it's such a bizarre idea. It's, like, the fact that it got made, first of all, I mean, it was made for, like, nothing. It was made for, like, a C-string budget, but, um... Which makes sense, because even, I love that film, and even, like, if I was a producer, I would be like, maybe not. Because <laughs> that could easily, having your character be a ghost in a bedsuit ghost, um, okay, like, you better, direct, you better shoot that in the right way, yeah. or else it's going to be completely corny. Um, and that film is just brilliant. And this film was on this epic scale you know this movie doesn't have the biggest budget either this is like you know a 50 million dollar movie i wouldn't fucking know i would guess that this was like 400 million yeah it looks so because this movie so looks so amazing so and there's the visual effects that are in this movie are absolutely incredible i think the fox i think the giant the green knight himself is absolutely amazing i don't know what's digital and what's not um but I don't care. I mean, it looks great. Uh, the, you know, this is how to do an epic. You know, with you don't need four hundred million dollars to make a King Arthur epic. I'm looking at you, Guy Ritchie. <laughs> um, and so, like, this movie is just so poetic in the way that it was told. It just fit the adapt. It was such a great adaptation of a story that was hundreds and hundreds of years old, and. There's a reason these stories are still being told. It's universal. It's amazing. What's not to like? Um, it's it's awesome. I wish this was higher. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. It's an incredible movie. Uh, it's an eye-gasmic experience. And it's also the music. The fucking oh. performance by Doug Patel. It's just it's such a dope-ass movie. It's so dope. 
This is awesome. Hell yeah, dude. I am I'm I'm with you. I'm with you on that hill for sure. Um okay, number three. My number three is Dune. Bruh. I like sandworms. Bruh. I like spaceships. Bruh. I like sand. I fucking love sand. Sand and sand is so sick in this movie. It all it yeah. looks so good. Denis Villeneuve yeah. just just yeah. has his hand on how to make good movies. He knows how to make yeah. blockbusters. Oh, yeah. He knows what to do with the money. He knows how to tell yeah. the actors how to do the thing to make them really um, cool and still be emotional. He just you know knows how really to do cool it. Is that Hollywood gets it? Because his movies bomb. Yeah. Except for good. But his movies before Goon, yeah, twenty forty nine was was a bomb. Failure. It was not a successful movie. Yeah, but it was so amazing, and it got nominated for so many Academy Awards. Like, I think people, I would I would love to know if it did eventually get a back. Just people renting it because it was so so good. Yeah. that I think like word of mouth had to have caught up, you know, because you know I do every time I go on Twitter, I see at least like some film bro guy tweet like a shot from the movie or something so it's definitely like not like a hidden gem or something but i'm just it's impressive that he got this movie made yeah like you know because his movies were they weren't successes first of all warner brothers had to take a risk because his movies don't make money you know and so like but they they took the risk on the artist, which is which is, cool, which is also you know? cool that they would take they rare. would take a risk on an artist like that, and for Dune the project, which is the most yeah. cursed film production yeah, like right, ever, right. one of the most legendary cursed like adaptations. Which, like I will say, the game looks good. It's so weird. But I genuinely just enjoy that. I also, so I also fucking love weird. There's also some really um, cool movements. There's some really great cinema. Yeah, too. there's yeah. some really, 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 really good moments in that. But they, oh, yeah. but the studio really, they really fucked that film right. up. They really did. Yeah. And um, yeah. so it's really cool to see an artistic take on this legendary story. Um, and Lord of Runner's going all the way too. You know, yeah. letting him make a trilogy. Let, you know, like. Cool. Yeah, so it's it's really it's really nice to sort of feel feel this innovation in sort of a more classic way of like how movies blockbuster movies type of feel sort yeah. of feel to me. And um I I just like space epics. Yeah. I love epics, I love big stories. They they've kind of they've got tiresome because of like Marvel and like yeah. all the shit. Everyone's going like really big and want to make some super large, but when it's done right, when it's good, when it's a classic, I just, I love it. You can't get something better yeah. than that, you know? And yeah. I do agree that, like, I think this film has sort of, like, a lackluster feeling at the end of it. Well, the ending is not, like, the film itself, oh, it the end. film is great, but it needs that next part, too. Like, we need we oh, need the rest cool. of the story, for sure. Yeah. But, I mean, it basically, like, is getting started. Yeah. Like, the journey is just beginning. Yeah. You know? And that's one of the things like, that was so cool about this film is that they let it be so yeah. slow. You know, that's why it oh, works absolutely. so well because oh, it's gonna pay off. Yeah, I'm almost certain that this is gonna pay yeah. off. Yeah, you know? like, yeah, because if if it, like it's only gonna get more interesting from here, and yes. um, I, I don't know, it and was probably better visually somehow. Yeah, you know? I know. So it's only it's it's just a it was a really exciting thing to watch. 
and I really want to see it oh, again. Wow. I I've thought yeah. about it ever since I I saw it. It was such an yeah. awesome, awesome yeah. theater experience. Like talk about oh, yeah. if we're one of the one of talking that film is is like like the theater was designed around films like that. It was that's the thing that I just were losing. Like I think yes, there's a lot of films that come out that are designed for theaters, but in reality, they're not. Um, and I think what I mean by that is just, even Spider-Man Going Home, which I absolutely love, the whole film shot on like a blue screen, uh, good blue screen, uh, but it's a blue screen. Uh, you don't feel, and part of that is design in a way where, like, it looks weird on screen, but it looks even weirder when you watch it at home. Um, because it's just it feels like a product. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. That's such a good way to describe it. I like Wild Movies. I think they're very fun. What helps those movies is they're actually very well written and the characters are very fun and they just have this like formula that's awesome. But the look the look of them not into it at all. Um the more and more I watch I'm just like these I'm excited for Doctor Strange too, because that movie looks fucking wild. And if, if, if any director is gonna do some cool visual innovative stuff, it's fucking Sam Raimi. And that trailer was kind of melting my head a little bit for some of the visual effects and designs and some of the things in that movie. That looks insane. Um, so hopefully Sam Raimi will like put some fucking vigor in the in the. Uh, just the, the design of their movies, you know, and like doing some cool camera stuff and, and stuff like that instead of just like locking the camera down, blue room, we'll add the whole scene in post, <laughs> like yeah. that kind of yeah. filmmaking. Uh, which, you know, we'll see. Anyway, but Dune is not that at all. It is a, it is a cinematic experience. The way that the sound like all of the elements come together to make a cinematic experience. Yeah. Like the sound in Doom uh, is if it doesn't win an Oscar, like if the sound design doesn't win an Academy Award, I'm just I'm just gonna turn it off and just lose all hope and everything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because wow. I mean, good God. Like I'm not someone who I'm deaf. Yeah. <laughs> I don't pay attention to the sound that much. But this movie just had this incredible sound design that I just, it was undeniable. Yeah. And it just sounded so good. And we had a really cool discussion when we reviewed this movie. And you reminded me when talking about um, the special effects in Marvel films that Dune is, it's great because of what what you were saying. It really does real directing, like being on set, being in like those, in that area. Oh, yeah. They shot it in Jordan. But on top of that, Denis Villeneuve has this understanding of how to make special effects just look crazy yeah. they are yeah. such insane arrival. effects arrival is like that yeah. that film i was really i was definitely the type of person who was like i don't like cgi at all cgi sucks and i saw arrival and mm-hmm. i was like i have to rethink my perspective on yeah. this because that was right. phenomenal and dune is yeah. dune felt like that times a thousand because there's only one right. spaceship in arrival there's a lot of them in dune and they all look amazing <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. so it's it's well the sound world itself is just unbelievable i mean the scale of the thing is just it's awesome it's so it's, amazing. that's all directing that's all yeah. because a visual effects artist that's just like 
they do incredible work too, but it's about the shot, the way that you shoot it. I think I got also that first Godzilla movie in comparison, but I think the special effects of that movie are unbelievably great too. Uh, just from like the scale. When I can like feel something like that big, that's when I know like, okay, that's when CGI is cool. Yeah. When I can actually feel it, you know, cinematically instead of like, oh wow, that looks cool. Yeah, and you know, and the thing yeah. that like I think Denis really understands is like one of the important ways is like, yeah, it's getting the effect polished and like perfected in a in like a texture and like size and making it look right. But it's also more importantly, I think, is like how where you put the camera and the lighting about it and like yeah. what oh, you yeah. don't see oh, a lot yeah. of the time. Because oh, so yeah. many times you'll see like these big monsters are supposed to be intimidating, which is just like this wide shot like like full lighting like it's lit all around you see everything and it's like that's not how you make it feel like how you want it to make it feel like like i see what you're trying to do but it just doesn't feel like that denis knows how to make it actually feel like it listen he got cinematographer he fits he he fits good and he also fits batman uh he's he's cool Cool as fuck He's very good at his very job. Very good. Um, so, uh, yeah, dude is fucking I, I good. Love dude. I can't wait for part two. It's going to be so exciting. I can't wait either. It's going to be I so exciting. We'll be, we'll be like old men by the time it comes out, though. <laughs> I know. Like, what the fuck, uh, man? Um, all right. So that was your three? That was my three. All right. You're going to get mad at me. But I think you'll understand. Okay. When I explain my other two, uh, the Friends Dispatch Whoa. is number three. That's crazy. It's tree. Very Tell good. Tell me why it's tree. It is, I love this film. I absolutely love this film. Um, and I think the only reason that it is three, because this is a five star movie in my opinion. This is a perfect film. This is one of Wes Anderson's, um, I think, his, one of his best films. Uh, a, a crime against humanity is that this film got zero nominations. Zero. That's so Academy ridiculous. There's no... Not only is that ridiculous, that is blasphemous. That is um, insanity. And I understand you can not, you know... Why? Because they're fucking morons. Uh, because they're all... I don't know. Because uh, they're morons. That's un- that's, I can't I'm understand. I, that's the only explanation I can give you. Uh, because... Not even set design? Are you fucking kidding me? Oh my god. I mean, are you fucking kidding me? Um, and, uh, but yeah, just the technical stuff, like, seriously? None of the technical stuff. Like, are I you, give me a break. Like, god. I understand, like, you don't have to dominate it for best, but the technical stuff, I mean, it's just stupid. Um, but this is one of his, in my opinion, one of his best films. Uh, I love this film. And, like, I think that, it is going to go down as one of his most ambitious films um, in terms of story and scope. And the only reason I think it's three is kind of what I expected, you know? Like, I went in and it was like, you know, it was unexpected in the sense of, like, the, 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 the story that I got, but, like, you know, it was Wes Anderson. I love Wes Anderson. And, like, you know, it was pretty typical style for him and like you know it was like it was like it felt like it was everything that i it was everything that i expected it to be and then like a little bit more you know and i think i'm always i think for me i'm always like things that like always excite me or like the unexpected things that come out that i just have no expectations for and they just 
blow it, blow out of the water, you know, and just like, you know, reignite my love of cinema again. Yeah. This when I walk into it, I knew I was, I already was kind of like, I'm gonna like this. Like, there's no, I'm not gonna not like this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, but I, but I loved it, you know, so, uh, like, I, I think that's the only reason it's three. Uh, Interesting. These top three, I, I love all, all of them equally. But this film is just incredible. There, there's, there's this, this movie has some of my favorite Wes Anderson sequences of all time in it. Um, and some of his, like, really smart writing, which, you know, I could see somebody calling pretentious, you know, or, or uh, you know, self-indulgent, but I love that. You know, I love Wes Anderson's, you know, quirkiness and his um his uh tendencies to do certain things i love his style so much it's so specific that i understand if somebody uh if you're not in the if you don't like any of my movies do not watch this um this will you won't like this i mean this is <laughs> very very but this is like the most west anderson movie that he's made, yeah you know um so in that regard, like, I, maybe I can see why it's not maybe hitting so many people uh, as much as, like, Grand Data Pass, for example. Um, but, I don't know. This film is just awesome. Yeah. And it does maybe also hinder from, it is an anthology film in some way, where there's, some, there's a lot of stories yeah, and definitely. a lot of characters. And like I expressed in, my, in the review or whatever, is, like, sometimes, like, because the film is introducing new characters to you and new storylines like all the time, it could be like you could get fatigued because it's it's a lot. And so when you go to a new story, you have to get acclimated with this new story, these new characters. It's a lot, you know. And so, um, but ultimately, I think that's a good thing because um, more rewatches, you're just gonna get more of the vibe. Hell, you can even like, oh, I don't like this one as much, and like, you know, still around, you know? Like, it's very kind of interactive in that way, yeah. which is kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, try I'm trying here. I'm trying to uh, find some reason it's three, but... It just is. I love everything about <laughs> it. It just is, okay? Uh, it just is. That's fine. I accept that. Um, well, my number two... Uh, which could easily have been my number one if I watched it a few more times, I think. But yeah. my number two is French Dispatch. Um, I love this film. I love this film so much for all the reasons that you said it. Um, yeah. I think I think my, my take on it is I think this is also a perfect film, but I agree that it's not necessarily the hugest Wes Anderson innovation. I think that it's kind yeah. of oh, yeah, once yeah. he makes a new film, this film will get even better because it's not going to have that sort of burden of being the newest Wes Anderson film, which like sort of represents him. Then we'll change sure. our focus to like the next new thing that he's making. And this film will just yeah. like just become a part of his au revoir, which is already good. Yeah, yeah. And that's just going to make it even more juicy. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's I, I just thought okay, he's going to be like, I was thinking about this other day. He's going to be a filmmaker that. It's gonna be studied for like all the time. Yeah, yeah. Like his film had this like timeless quality about it that some people might not even pick up on today. But his films like you can watch like they're so timeless. Like it's insane. Yeah. Like and like um I don't know. He's, he's just gonna be studied like we study like Carpenter or something like people are gonna just like watch 
all his fucking movies and then all his movies for various reasons, you know? Yeah. It's just going to be one of those filmmakers. He already well, is, well, think about when he's gone making movies, holy fuck. Like, think about, like, how, like, people were so blown away by, um, like, Citizen Kane because of, like, the scope and how complicated and yeah. huge it was. And French Dispatch is, like, ten times more complicated than Citizen Kane in a <laughs> lot of yeah. ways. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. And it's, like, and it's not, and it's not just complicated just to, like, fill the screen. Maybe some crazy people would think that, but I think it's right. all brilliant. It's a little overwhelming. Yeah. I agree with that because it's so much information well, all like, the yeah, time. I mean, if, you, if you do think, like, that, I mean, that's part of his style. Yeah. I mean, like, like, just be in his style. And I, what I loved, loved about French Dispatch so much is that he was, I think, I feel like he was at this point where it's just like, I think people know what I'm doing well enough that I can just sort of do yes. a shorthand. And I'm just going to go so fast. I'm going to go straight into That's it. Really and point. we're just going to do it at 11 the whole movie. It, it does have this line where you, like, you know what you're getting into. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, it's almost like, you're, like the people that are here, like, they know what's up. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Like, uh, yeah. And I, I really, I really <laughs> liked all of just the. He just does such crazy shit in his films, and he yeah. does it like every other scene in this one. It's just like, yeah. wow, that was insane. It's like, whoa, whoa. But it's was... not just like it's not just like crazy shit, drunk like cinematic elements. It's like the story of the film is like incredibly sweet. It turns out to be like this beautiful old journal. Yeah, it's this film that is so on its surface. Fucking bananas! It's bonkers, crazy. Yeah, like there are so many characters, so many iconic actors that appear in the movie for half a scene. Yeah. Uh, like Christoph Waltz. Like there, it's like this movie is insane. But ultimately, this is kind of the genius I think of the film is that it, it is so simple. What this movie's about. It's just a simple. It's it's this um. Owed to journalism and this owed to this small town and, and France and, and this culture and these and these journalists and it's like so beautiful yeah. in that way it's so sweet and that's so much energy, yeah you know and I, I and I really think that this film is another just you know nail in like the big billboard that is proving that Wes Anderson is a master he is a master a little getting a little too good yeah it's you might have to stop for it you might have to stop i know because it's getting a little overwhelming it's like what are you gonna make when you're because how old is he i don't know he seems he like, pretty he's close to 50 right? yeah but just like i don't know what is he gonna make when he's like 70 no like jesus you Christ. know what i would really like is if he gets more and more crazy with this and then he makes like a really slow film or something like that like he goes like in the I complete at some opposite point, direction at some point he has to do that yeah because at some point like i can see him like switching his style a little bit, trying to do something different. I mean, I know right now he's making a rom com. I think that's like the next thing that he's making is, I think Asteroid City is like a rom com, yeah. which I don't think he's ever made before. Yeah, that sounds. So, that's different. Which honestly, like Wes Anderson just does love so well. He writes love stories that are so charming and yeah. wonderful that like that's a <laughs> yeah. rom com. I am like so excited to see. Well, Russ War is kind of a rom com in a weird way. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Very oddball one. Yeah. Well, but yeah. French French Dispatch. Excellent. 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 Yeah. So good. So excellent. You yeah. should try watching it. Just well, watch all of his other films. It's like watch them in order. There's great films to watch in order. Oh, and yeah. this will be a great one to end on and just be excited for what's next. It's it's Yeah, they're all fantastic. So We're gonna whole uh podcast ranking all these movies. Go check that yeah. out too. 
Oh, this is like the advertising okay. podcast for all of our other podcasts. <laughs> yeah, for real. Um, number three. No, two, right? Or number two, yeah. Um, this is a film called Red Rocket. Oh, wow. This is a, an A24 film that I don't... I don't know what happened to this movie um, because it's Songmaker who made um, Tangerine and Florida Project 2 of the best films uh, of the 2010s. Please watch both those. They're fucking incredible. Um, and this film didn't really come out in theaters. Um, it, it, I think, was came out like very limited and then went to VOD and... So I think a lot of a lot of people now because of rent, a lot of people are talking about it more. Like more people are there's some videos on YouTube about it and I think people are kind of catching up on its brilliance and how really great the movie is. Um I this is the all I can describe is this is my shit. I love movies about horrible people. <laughs> Just I love movies about charismatic, awful people. I think that might be my favorite type of movie. And for a lot of reasons. Like, I'm going to explain what Red Rocket is about, just so I don't... Because there is some trigger stuff in this, so if you maybe... I don't want you to watch it and be really upset. Yeah. (laughs) So what this movie is about is Simon Rex um, plays uh, Nike, who is a porn star, a... um, washed up porn star that the film the first scene of the movie is that he went, he's on a bus and he's going back to his hometown of texas city texas and um from la and he's a washed up for he has no money and he's trying to go to his ex-wife and the first scene of the movie is him going to his ex-wife and trying to move back in and rekindle the relationship with his ex-wife and his and her mother and um what this movie is kind of about is this it follows this character who is manipulative uh charismatic crazy hilarious uh and all these different things he's one of the most interesting characters i've seen in in movies this year um and the what this movie ultimately becomes about is he meets this 17 year old girl and he basically starts breeding her to be a porn star um, and what's so interesting about this movie, and something that I made a joke earlier in Liquor's Pizza, where this is, I'm gonna work out just thinking about this. So, if you genuinely have something wrong, like wrong with Liquor's Pizza, like you think that this movie should be in the dumpster, you think Paul Collins Anderson should be put in jail, <laughs> you haven't seen this movie. This is by far. 100 times worse than the liquor's pizza in the sense of this film is a lot of like Sean Baker one of the brilliant things about Sean Baker in my opinion is his idea look like Florida Project was a movie was a pretty sad and dark movie about kids that live in these projects outside of Disney World and that film, what that film does so greatly is it suits it from the perspective of the ki- of the kids, and uh, the the cinematography is this colorful, uh, vibrant. It's it's showing what the view of the kids 
life is like. You know, and which makes that film incredibly interesting because you're seeing this, you know, horrible situation that these kids are in and this poor girl, this, her mother is in and how it's putting a toll on the relationship when it's told from this kid perspective. So it has this almost... Uh, almost like E.T., like this Anglin, Steven Spielberg kind of vibe to it. And like one of the most brilliant aspects to that film is that it is just the idea that it's told from the kid's perspective. Now, I'm going to show you the poster of Red Rocket, okay? And I think this is uh, very indicative of what he's going for for this film that I found to be incredibly brilliant. Um, uh, okay, this is the poster of the movie. Uh, can you see it? Kind of. Here, I'll look it up on Letterboxd. I'll, I'll, I yeah, can I can just describe it. So basically for the audience, it's basically like, if you know any of those boner comedies in the 80s, you know, <laughs> like that are like, like, oh, like, you know, like Porky's or something, like really get the poster for like Porky's or something. Yeah. Or Revenge of the Nerds. So it has this poster of like the main character with a donut around his hip and like oh it looks like a sex comedy it looks like a like a and that's because the this movie is told from the main character's perspective and that's how he sees the story he sees it as like you know he's a terrible per he's a garbage person and so it's not like Sean Baker's making this movie about like he's not like telling you um hey, this guy's an asshole, or this guy, it's just presenting this character and, you know, selling this insane story about what it ultimately becomes is like these people that I didn't know existed called suitcase pimps mm-hmm. that are real people who um, are slimy guys who um, have like a thousand people followers on their porn hub account and that they uh, recruit young girls to film with and try to manipulate them to basically become uh, stars and, and basically sex trafficking. Yeah, yeah. And what, and that's kind of what this movie is actually about, um, ultimately. And this film is just, it's so interesting. It's so funny. It's really dark. And it's uh, shot on like 16 millimeter. So it has this grindiness, this dirtiness, this like, uh, like, uh, just amazing iron it's shot in texas city texas which is like this bum fuck nowhere town yeah. this garbage <laughs> and there's this and it's basically a town that there's so many shots of like uh it's surrounded by an industrial park like there's so many shots and like so that kind of gives you an idea of like what this town is like uh there's nothing to do there there's nothing and so um it's just this incredibly weird character study of this uh, insane man uh, that you, that the film is not telling you to like this guy or not like this guy. And that's something that uh, was interesting to Soundmaker and interesting to, to me, the viewer, because a lot of these suitcase pimps are that. They're these charismatic, manipulative sociopaths. Yeah. And what this movie is, is it's selling that. It's an incredibly dark movie, but it's presented in this almost farcical kind of way because that's how the character sees it. It's a brilliant film. I think it's absolutely... I think Saul Baker is one of the most interesting 
and integrated and just amazing filmmakers and I just like can't wait to see what he does next because I, I love his films. All all three of them that I've seen, Tangerine, Mortal Project and this, they blew me away. They're absolutely amazing. Um so yeah, this is not for everybody though. You know, it's it's definitely there are multiple scenes where he is having sex with a seventeen year old girl. Um like porn sex. So it's like, you know, it's way worse than Licker's Pizza. Obviously the actress isn't seventeen, she's like twenty twenty seven. Yeah. But yeah. Um so uh but it's it's such a cool movie and uh something that I that I really like. Um so yeah, that's my number two. <laughs> that's a wild number two. I've heard I've heard some that was that was one of those things that sometimes is it A twenty four? Yeah. Sometimes A24 just really sweeps some of these really weird, cool films under the rug. Like Under the Silver Lake is the other one that we've talked about before. Yeah. Just these really weird decisions that um, to subvert some of these really cool, weird yeah. little films. Um, that was one that kind of... Like, also, they have... I think they definitely have like a certain marketing budget. You know? yeah, they probably right. put a lot of money into the tragedy of Macbeth, which, you know... Um, was getting a lot of Oscar buzz, you know, has Oscar nominations and stuff, so they probably put their money more into that, you know, and stuff like that. It was like sense. Yeah. What, and it's also Joe Cohen. Yeah. Right, know, so right. It's like, that being said, kind it of is kind of cool to have, like, these, to find these more underground, underground yes. films. Like, yeah. the, the underground yeah. of the underground, and they tend to be kind yeah. of really fucking good. So, that's right. cool. That's cool. Sounds neat. I don't think I really did it justice in explaining it, but uh, it's, it's just so fascinating film it's, it's also really goddamn funny yeah. um and also all the actors i have to mention this but all the actors really are not actors that's cool they're all real people um and it gives us this film has such a unique uh vibe to it like it's so grounded like all the characters in the movie are so phenomenal because they're real people yeah like he went to texas city texas like, one of the main characters in this movie, he saw her walking her dog and walked up to her and said, would you like to be in a movie? Yeah. And she was like, okay. And so he, she auditioned, got the part. I mean, that's how he casts his movies. So it's Pretty really, sick. and he did that Florida Project as well. So um, it's, I love that way of making movies because all the characters feel so authentic because... They are, yeah. you know? And so, um, he's, there's not a lot of filmmakers doing that. You know, the Saki brothers do that as well, um, which is, I think is, makes their films feel the way they, they do. Yeah, right. Know, too, well. it's, such so, a, it's such a, it's such a, it's a difficult way to film, and it's a weird way to film now, um, because oh, it's yeah. so uncommon, but it has made some of the best movies ever to do weird, quirky shit John like Cassidy's that. films, you know, there's, yeah, there's a lot of great filmmakers that, that, you know? I thought Florida Project was such a great like modernization and innovation of working in that kind of way, which was like yeah. learning from like these experience of taking non-actors to do stuff and then really pushing it to another level. So I'm really glad that he's continuing with that and made another banger. I'm yeah. definitely going to watch that yeah. one. Um, yeah. Okay. Number one, we're at the ones. We're at the top. We've reached the peak. Yes, this is where this is where we let it all loose. My number one is Green Knight. I love that movie. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah. I uh, I love I like fantasy. I like weird shit. I like 
I like epics. I like I like it when you know you're not told what to what to think. I like cool visuals. Yeah. I like good music. I like monsters. I like like when it's fun. The Green Knight is is like all of those things, and it's a lot more. Um, it's 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 one of those movies that works in a really sub like sub subtextual level you know it's not something that like tells you oh, wow. how, what the story is on the forefront and you did a really good job kind of discussing it and dissecting kind of uh, like how how it works or how it feels initially but yeah. it's it's really it's it's a really emotional piece it really is something that you're it's like if you want it to be yeah you know yeah because you can watch this and you have to really engage with it but if you really want to get the good yeah it's I just feel like if I feel like it functions in a way where it's like he wrote a really complicated script for this where there's like all this dialogue and prose and he just yeah. cut it all out after he got the yeah. actors to feel the way that yeah. they were supposed to. So what yeah. but it doesn't feel like there's holes. It just feels like he just yeah. removed everything that wasn't needed from it and yeah. just and just has this really pure and visual presentation of this really right. awesome classic story. Um, yeah. And I really, I think that he did the best job I've ever seen of like a King Arthur adaptation of making it feel like how, okay. when you read like a, a poem like that, like this yeah. really feels that way and not a way that's yeah. like super, super corny. Um, well, it feels very like poetic in the way of like something like a Tarkovsky movie, like Solaris yes. or something like that. Which is, uh, you know, not people's favorite thing. Yeah. You know, so, um, yeah. Yeah, and I, I think it's a kind of, I, I love Tarkovsky's movies. I'm a huge fan yes, of Solaris yeah. and Stalker. And it's true. Yeah. It's one of those things that is just like, it's really hard to get um, because it's so different than how most movies are made or how movies are right. tended to be said like are are supposed to be made if you will like yeah. movies aren't supposed to be made that way based on like the conventional sense but i right. i think it's really powerful i just think it's really mm -hmm. powerful and communicates at a level that you can't with conventional filmmaking um yeah. and yeah i think it's it's not something I mean, yeah. that it won't yeah. it won't have the widest reach of them all you know it's not gonna have as wide of reach as a spiel as spielberg films did or things like that but yeah it it communicates it communicates something important to me and i like that i like that about stories mm -hmm. where it's just like i felt like i felt like i watched something i watched something important and i watched a really a really valuable character transformation and i in a mm -hmm. world that was really amazing to experience and a like again a cinematic experience that feels yeah. novel <laughs> when a lot of there's like yeah. more movies ever being made and i still don't I, sometimes i feel like i haven't seen like a real film in a really long time yeah. um and the green knight was just one of those that was just like oh, so so refreshing just a nice sip of weird sip of like like orange of <laughs> lemonade on a hot day really really yeah. weird cup of lemonade i i love it i think it's super great yeah. i want to get the blu-ray and just study every frame of it because it's such such a painterly fantastic film i love it yeah yeah it's it's really fantastic and like something that like i mean i think like one of the things that you said that i kind of a little bit disagree with is like i do think that this isn't the most like it's pretty it, 
the thing that's like a weird and annoying to me is like it's pretty accessible. It's not like you're watching like it's 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 you just it's just not made like other things. Yeah. Like it's just if you just are a normal person, like if you know who Stanley Kubrick is, I mean like I think you'll get this, you know? Like you just like I think what I what I do agree with is like movies are not made like this and I think that's there are tons of fucking movies like this. And the problem is people are so they don't want to go back and watch old things because yuck for some reason. <laughs> uh, and so uh that's like maybe the most annoying thing about our culture is that like old things are bad and new things are the only thing that exists, which is just bad for society. Um old things for the reason that old things are still around. Um and um, why you hear all your favorite filmmakers reference old fucking movies because they're movies. Uh, if you only watch things that are put out now and get inspired by things now, you're just gonna make something that's what now that are made that's tailored to now. Uh, and so when you get something innovative like this that is calling back to things like Tarkovsky, Kubrick, you know, fantasy epics. You know, like Heaven's Gate and, and like some old Ridley Scott things. Like, you get this, you know? And so, like, I think for me, it's just like, this film is, yeah, it's, it, you're also not supposed to, like, we talk about this in the review. It's like, you're not supposed to watch this and be like, get every single thing that you see. Yeah. You know why? Because Garland has no idea what the fuck is going on. Like, you're on this journey with this guy. Yeah. Um, and so just fucking embrace the visual aspect of this movie. Visual at movies are not fucking made. Just look at the trailer for, like, any Netflix-produced movie. They all look like the same fucking movie. And it's so weird to me. Like, they all have the exact same color grading and it makes me want to die like <laughs> and it's not that it's bad right it's not that it's like bad it's just the same yeah like red notice looks exactly like don't look up they have like the same color grading. yeah um and uh i don't know what that is i think there i think i read that there is this deep 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 psychological thing that's going on there where Netflix is, has tapped into something where they're making their things look similar and that's leading people to click on things more. Uh, we're in this really horrible culture of um, thumbnails, uh, which is like kind of what they're doing, where they're kind of creating these things to for people to click on it, you know, and, and not really, and they're also not made for theaters. Green Knight was made for theaters. Yeah. You know, it was made to experience in a movie theater, um, which is novel, which is crazy to say. Yeah. You know, you're gonna you're gonna see a you saw a trend in our fucking top ten movies. They're all dude, Green Knight, you know, like Nightmare Alley. These things that are truly visual and cinematic and not like you're just watching a movie to have the story just spoon fed to yeah. you. Yeah. 
you know, yeah. There's a lot of things. And on. what that makes me you know? also think of about what makes the Green Knight so great, and I think why a, all these films on this list really connect to me are films that do this, but it's really such a pure expression of, of David Lowry. You know, it's his, yeah. him like putting his himself out there in just like yeah. the way that he really wants to. That's like one of right. the cool things about A24 because they really curate a certain type of style, but also part of their curation process and the films that they help get made are films that are driven by a person who wants to make something has something he yeah, really right. wants to say, yeah. you know? And the thing I like also about green Knight is the, I felt the discovery process that David Lowry went through when making this film. It wasn't like an outside mm-hmm. in where it's just like, Oh, I want to do this thing. It was like, I want to yeah. go on this journey and produce this thing and well, pull it from, from myself. So unpretentious. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, like this is the type of movie like, from, I think, this person that doesn't watch a lot of movies just chalks this up as, like, pretentious. I don't think, like, this film is not pretentious in any fucking way. Yeah. Like, it's presenting this story, and, like, it wants the audience to enjoy it. It's not, like, inclusive. And I think that feeling that you're describing is, like, uh, great because you are watching it kind of unfold in front of you, and he knows kind of, he just knows the film inside and out, like what to show and what not to show, and and like you know, he's not like there are like I am that type of person that enjoys these types of films, but there are like a Tarkovsky film, for example. Like I know some people, some normal audience members might feel like that's inclusive, you know, and might not get any of the subtext and things like yeah. that, you know. Um, and those can be frustrating, you know, and I totally get that. But this film to me is like not that. I think that's it's a such great a point. Visual, visual feast for the eyes, and like so many like suspenseful sequences, and literally just visually intriguing, you know, set pieces that like I don't know why you would just talk this up with something that's. Oh, this is just A twenty four artsy shit. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. It's like, that's a th- that's a really good that's a really good point because um it is it's definitely unconventional because David Lowry was just like I just want to do this in the way that I want to do this and it's not going to be quite like right. anything else. But at the end of the day, the- yeah, it's not a guy Ritchie movie. <laughs> but <laughs> they speak of the right tongue. Uh, but um, but the, this film at the end of the day, even though it's unconventional and weird, it's really not that experimental it's not that wild it's pretty it's pretty like it's pretty just like straight adventure story you know and it just has it's just really it's just unique in just the way that it's told and and stuff like that but you're right it's pretty like like when i when i think about this film and one of the reasons i like it so much is like what you said is the unpretentious nature about it but that Every moment where you think about it, it every moment has a lot of depth to it. But it's not like in this way that yeah. it's challenging you. You know, it's just like yeah, it's yeah. just like it just is that way. You know, you you yeah. get everything yeah. that you need to know is on the screen, and it's just kind of hard yeah. because I think what's frustrating about this film is that you're not like what you've said. You're not supposed to draw conclusions about everything. Like you're no. just supposed to have <laughs> like that's like, and I think. In this day and age, every, every movie is like, here's what it is, and here's what you need to feel, and here's the story, you know? And it's like, what? Yeah. Like, you could, you, like, you, you know, you don't have to 
Ooh, that one. Yeah, Ooh, I see this. I see this film as like a as like a really good impressionistic painting, or like a film that where its well, line works are sort of like you don't. Not all the lines connect all the way. Like there's open spaces well, in some of the line work yeah. and stuff like that. And I yeah. I love paintings like that. I love drawings well, I like that. Vibe, yeah, well, that's a vibe, baby. Yeah, well, that's a vibe. Like just the feeling of the movie, and the sh- and like, the other thing that that shows how good of a good director David Lowry is is that a lot of times directors might kind of get like the look or like that kind of visual feeling of it right, but he also connects the story into that in a very satisfying way, yeah. which is what kind of right. pushes this film above and beyond for me because it's not it right. is like it's it's a story told through that visual experience, but the story yeah. is still there and that. Is yeah, exactly. is so awesome. Yeah. It's so awesome because yeah. it's really hard to do that. It's really hard. Oh yeah, that's why people don't attempt it, and also because no one fucking sees these movies. Right, right. Um, and so yeah, so when you get something like this, it's just, it's awesome. And, you know, people fancy this movie watch it like ten times. You know, have it on Blu-ray, and this is a movie that I like, and I will watch forever. I will watch it. I'll watch it a lot. This also has a timeless quality to it as well. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, so, um, okay. Number one. I, I love that. Number one pick, because I love that movie. But uh, number one is a film that I think not a lot of people have seen yet. It will be on Hulu soon. It is The Worst Person in the World. Whoa. This is a Nordic film. I love this movie. I absolutely love this movie. Um, weird... Cool. Okay, if, you're, if you want a double feature, I think a great double feature would be The Worst Person in the World and Licorice Pizza. Huh. Uh, they both deal with uh, characters, two uh, women uh, in their 20s, dealing with uh, being lost. And Paul Carlos Anderson called this his favorite movie of the year, <laughs> funny enough, uh, which is funny. Um, and so I, when I saw this, I was like, oh, so this is a, kind of a better version of the first pizza. And it's not wow. like a similar film in the way that, like, vibe-wise, it's just thematically similar. But anyway, uh, I I think that this film is um, amazing. And this is one of those things that, what I was saying earlier, is that this completely blew, like, I don't know... I didn't see a trailer. I didn't see anything. All I heard was that it was a big winner at Cannes, won a bunch of awards at Cannes, um, and uh, the poster was really intriguing. It was like this woman running. It just, lo- it just was an interesting looking. I was just like, I want to see that. And uh, and the title, The Worst Person in the World, like, I want to see that. Uh, it was just intriguing. The art house theater that's in DC was playing it. I decided to go. And it just, it blew my socks off. It was like this romance film. And this is a film, like a type of film, that, like, it's definitely probably my least favorite. I'm not, like, straight romance films are uh, hard for me to get into sometimes. But I haven't been... The only way I can describe the feeling that I had walking out of this movie is that I genuinely thought that I just watched, a, like, four years of a life of a of a character. Wow. That like I just felt like I just lived this life and I walk out like knowing this person this character. The main character of the movie, she the actress won 
best actress it, it can. Um, and with good reason, she is unbelievably fantastic. Um, it's my favorite character in the year. It's like she is. It's what this movie is about. Is it's about this character who is about in her twenties, and it follows four years of her life with uh, relationships with two different men. Mm-hmm. So there's the first half of it is the relationship with this cartoonist, this comic book. Uh, artist oh. and yeah and there's actually uh this amazing sequence in the movie if you don't want to watch it it's fine but i'm gonna force you to watch this one scene because there's a scene where they blend to the like uh comic book animation with live action that's cool and like a really fucking funny and cool way um that and then the second half is relationship with another guy. And the, the, I don't want to get into, like, the title of the worst person in the world because it's kind of like part of the fun, I think, of watching the movie, kind of, like, learning about this character. But to me, this movie has everything. It made me laugh. It made me cry. It made me, like, uh, question my existence. <laughs> like, it's there's a lot to love about this movie. And it's beautifully shot i want to move to oslo yeah. jesus christ <laughs> fucking gorgeous uh and this movie is just like i've never seen like a film that's dealt with this idea of cheating and this idea of um like infidelity in this real way like this truly realistic way and not portraying it as these people are if you cheat on your girlfriend, you're a piece of garbage. Or you cheat on your boyfriend, you're an automatic piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, this movie really explores the idea of that. And this character who is one of the most uh, layered and interesting characters I've seen in cinema in like a long time. Like I've never seen a character where in a movie in a long time where I genuinely fall in love with. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I watch and I'm like I I'm in love with this woman. Like, yeah. <laughs> I love her. Like, I, I, she's amazing. Um, and, but she's so flawed. And that's kind of part of the, the, the title of the movie is she believes she's the worst person in the world. Uh, and so there's this, uh, the movie's incredibly well written. They're so, they're so funny. Uh, it's so dramatic, especially for the end. It made me cry. It genuinely made me cry. Um, and I was like by my, I was like by myself <laughs> seeing this movie with like five other people in the theater and I was like like tearing up at the end of this movie. Yeah. Uh it's really powerful. What I love about things like this too is that, you know, uh I love movies just about characters. This movie doesn't have a particular plot. It's not it's not like the Green Knight where it's like we're going on an adventure. We gotta go kill the green guy. <laughs> yeah. It's not that. It's literally looking at this character through about four years of her life with these relationships with these two guys yeah. and how she deals with those relationships and how uh, those relationships end and how they uh, bleed into one another. And it's just absolutely gorgeous and beautiful. And there's and a movie like this can also be categorized as some people like a talky, like, a talking movie where it's people talking, <laughs> like some people would say that. This movie's incredibly cinematic. There are amazing cinematic sequences in this movie. Uh, there's one that is my favorite scene of the year. Um, it's incredibly powerful and it's all cinema. It's no dialogue, it's 
all through cinema. Uh, and that's the, the, the scene is the poster. I'm not going to give away because it's really great when you see it. But um, this is this is another film too, kind of like Parasite, where everybody will like this movie. I don't see, I will have a hard time believing someone watching this and going, I don't like it. This is truly like, what's not to like? Yeah. You know, what is not to like about this movie? And I can see if like, you don't like sad things, you know? Maybe this is uh, hard for you to watch, but it just is such a beautiful portrayal of relationships and like something that one of the most honest movies about relationships told from like a woman's perspective that is does not feel um because it is made by a man you know and a very empathetic man and a very sweet man um like i've seen her in these things seems like a very cool guy but joaquin joaquin trier i think that's his name he's nordic um but uh it's just it's told with this beautiful sensitivity that I just I I just loved, and it was one of those things that I just couldn't believe because this was not the type of movie that I would you know seek out usually or yeah. like love, and me watching this and just getting so much out of it. There's so much story here too. It's not just it's not like a Richard Linklater movie, which I absolutely love, which is more like the vibe. There really is a sense of really cool style of progressing in the story. The film, I think, in Norway is called 12 Chapters or something as well. The film is split up into 12 chapters, which makes this film kind of feel really interesting in that regard. Because as new chapters start, you kind of, uh, with just one sentence or one word, like, to, you know, thematically set up the next chapter, there's this really interesting kind of, like structure and progression that happens throughout the film and it's just i absolutely loved it it's one of those things that just blew me away it was like it was like i saw it because you know i got good reviews of 10 and my favorite filmmaker loves it and so i was like all right i'll I'll, 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 I'll check it out and it just really really blew me away made me fall in love with this actress i can't remember her name i think it's renette like, I can't, I'm not going to try to pronounce the last name, please. <laughs> but uh, she's adorable and just an incredible actress. And uh, I can't wait to see more films with her in it because I think she's going to, she already is kind of blowing up from this film, but I think you're going to see her a lot uh, moving forward uh, because she's just one of those actors that just has this, quality about it that you really just can't describe yeah it's just yeah. this magic movie star quality she's beautiful but she has something that is really unique and this is her first starring role as well wow. which is also really impressive as well um yeah damn worst person world i think it's on i think it's going it's a neon film Okay. So I think it's going to be on Hulu. Hulu, it would be a major disservice if they don't put this on some streaming service because, god damn, this, like, everybody will love this movie. Like, I'm gonna, I recommend this to my mom, I recommend this to you, I recommend this to everybody I know. Yeah. It's just so good and so accessible. But it's not totally accessible. It's really emotional and very uh, sincere, which is like, 
what I love about these types of films. You know, so, um, that was a mad, inspiring yeah. elevator pitch. Number one. Mad, mad. That's mad cool, bro. That's mad cool. Yeah, it's great. I'm going to watch everything that that guy made, too. Apparently, he made, he's made a couple films that are really great um, before it, too. So. Well, I love... Yeah, is, it, uh, is it Nordic? It's Swedish? What is it again? Nordic. Nordic? Nordic. They're speaking... They're speaking uh, what is it? What are they speaking? Norway. Uh, Nordic? Nord? <laughs> Do they speak Nord? Nord? <laughs> I don't know what that is. I can't remember. But did you know, weird side note, did you know that, um, because there's like incredible uh, nighttime scenes in this movie. I was like, how did they shoot that? Because it looks amazing. There's no visual effects in this fucking movie. But all except for the, that one, you can tell that a lot of the visual effects budget went to this one scene. Yeah. But, uh, like, did you know that it doesn't get dark in Oslo? Do you know that? Oh. It's one of the places where, like, at, mid, at like, 2 in the morning, it's, like, kind of dust. It's, like, blue. You know, like, oh. the sun that really goes down. Which is gives it this really, actually, unique quality to it. Because not a lot of places in the world are like that. Yeah. So, like, the nighttime scenes feel so magical in a way. Yeah. They feel, yeah. like, more... Interesting. That's why I say I want to move to Oslo. This movie makes Oslo look like the coolest place ever. Yeah. You know, I want to go. <laughs> Hell yeah! Well, man, that that's that was that was really cool. That made me really really want to watch the movie now. That's, I really want to watch. I'm just that's a good thing about doing top tens because it just makes you want to watch movies. Like ah, oh, good movies. Yeah. yeah. No, I want I want watch the three night again tonight. Jesus, like so good. Yeah. Yeah, it's just good to remember all these films that you just have. Because every single one of these films was like a profound personal experience for both of us. So well, it's like kind of talking about it and revisiting that. It's just like like inside. I'd forgotten how important that film was well, to me. So and sort good. of talking about it again. I almost forgot a year ago. Yeah. Yeah, which is crazy. But it's like, yeah. I love movies, dude. This was a good yeah. this was a good time. Fun list. Good year. Good. Oh, yeah. The, the worst person in the world is on Criterion, too. Oh, that's cool. That? Yeah, I did. You sent they that to me. They put it on Criterion. Like, jeez. I just did everything right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I was so... I genuinely... I wish you were in the room with me. I was genuinely like, yeah, like oh, my God. I was so excited. Like, you know, I, I was just not expecting that, you know? But, like, it's awesome. So I felt it so good. So it's just like, I'm so happy that Criterion was like put it on there they didn't put two cogs but they put that yeah you know so it's like i don't know i don't know what's going on i guess they like it better i don't know yeah who's who's making decisions over there they make good decisions but i don't know who's making decisions <laughs> i don't know i wonder if it's like a committee or if it's like a group of people that know? would probably be the the the, the smartest thing if they vote they on put it. movies on the wall because i wasn't working there you have to like do research and try to like figure out what goes on the Probably be hard as fuck. Cartoon is probably a hard job. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of pressure. Yeah. (laughs) All right, everybody. That was our fucking 2021 list. It was amazing. It's a lot of fun. So many fucking movies that we recommended. We don't like any of them. I'm sorry. But those are our recommendations for 2021 movies. Hello. I'm still here. Hello? <laughs> Did I cut out? No, I just took an I just took an unnecessarily long pause. <laughs>
I thought everything stopped and paused for a second. I was just taking a dramatic pause. I felt like it. I felt like that I needed dramatic. it. That was dramatic. The silence was palpable. Yeah. Good list. Right, We're going to make a better one next year. Well, it's kind of hard to say that, but. <laughs> I think so. There's some fucking crazy news coming out this year. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Daniel's movie comes out next week. The fucking Robert Eggers fucking oh, North I keep one. forgetting about but, that. Hey, there was a Batman movie that came out that was fucking a awesome. A little Batman uh, movie. That movie. Uh, there's Ari Aster's movie comes out this year. Uh, George Miller, the director of Mad Max Fury Road, has a movie premiering at Cannes. What? Hell yeah. In a month? That just came out in the news? What the hell? <laughs> I mean, the guy who was making a movie. Like, what? Like, oh, I hope that's good. Yeah, I do Jesus. too. I didn't know about that either. Um, Stars Interest Elba. We don't know anything about it. Cool. Uh, okay. Yeah, hopefully it's great. Hopefully it's not Happy Feet 2. <laughs> um, <laughs> Happy Feet 3. It's like the surprise premiere. Yeah. This is Happy Feet 3. What you all um, wanted all of this time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Crazy cool movies. Damien Giselle, his new movie comes out this year. It's a lot of cool, fucking dope ass, good, hopefully good stuff. So, who knows? It might be better. More movies to watch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's for sure. Oh. Sonic 2. Cream at the top. That's already going to be the ones of both of our list. Number one material right there. <laughs> Number one. Sonic 2. Sonic 2. The return of Eggman. <laughs> yeah, well, go watch movies, everybody. They're really, really cool. All right, everybody. Thank you guys for listening. 2021 movies? Yes. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.